hopefully in this instance, two hours would be enough, but we'll see. <laughs> That's a fun thing to say. I say many fun things. Hey, boomers! Welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly guide to the wacky world of Sega and Sonic and the super, 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 super. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, Dave. One day. Get it one of these days. I love, it. I love that it's wacky world of Sega. I know, Sega that's not meant you. to be there. Hey, kids. <laughs> it's not meant to say wacky world. It just comes out when I start talking. <laughs> Your online guide to the sensational world of Sega and Sonic the comic. It says on the inside of the comic, and I never look. Hosted by... Yeah, that's not what I say. Us, your goons, your humes who think they're in charge. I... I'm Dave Bulmer. And I am Chris McFeely, but we are not alone today, Dave. Well, who would want to be alone on Valentine's Day, Chris? <laughs> we do have a returning special guest. Hey! Hello! The sky darkens. A lone piano can be heard playing in the distance. <laughs> and you see, cresting a hill, none other than the great Abby Denton. Hello, are you right? I'm um, I'm okay. It's uh, noon on a weekend for me. Yeah. In LA, so I've just woken up. I've got a sure. big cup of tea. I've got a cup of tea bigger than my head. Handy. I haven't right even here. got. I haven't even got a cup of tea. All I've got is a a cup of water. That's it. That's what I've got to stay myself. I might go and get some wine in a minute. Dave, have you got a cup of water, or have you got a thimble of water? It's an acorn cup that I fill with. <laughs> with a, a single drop. Dew drop. <laughs> Uses it as a pestle sometimes to mix his potions. <laughs> Abby previously joined us on issue number five, wasn't Flipping it? Flipping egg! That long ago? Yes, I could have sworn it was four, my gosh. Forty issues ago! I'm only a little hurt. I'm only a little, I've been available this whole time. I've kept my whole schedule. <laughs> I haven't done anything in two years waiting. She's just been sat. By the phone. You didn't even call me on the Sat phone. Sat outside, scratching at the outside of my door. When you break it down uh, in terms of recording, that was nearly about two years ago, it was, wasn't it? Because yeah, we, we recorded a lot in advance before we actually started the yeah. show publicly in May. But we, yeah, yeah, it'd be nearly well. That was when Abby was actually physically visiting mm. the area we were. She wasn't physically visiting us. My vaunted international stand-up tour. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I went to see my grandma and I went to two bars. That's it. My flat was, it just happened to be somewhere near where she was going to be anyway but uh <laughs> yeah this time we are remote we are distant and well we are anyway aren't we at this at time of recording who knows by the time this goes out they might have sorted fingers out crossed folks <laughs> are you uh happy to be our podcast valentine uh this time abby because if so then i can give you this because i've got it it's <gasps> oh here my gosh on still staple to my copy of the comic the supersonic valentine now what sort of story do so we you never think found someone that tells worthy. about my teenage <laughs> life at the time yeah no I, I that very much remained unused and uh stapled to the front of the comic okay we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here because we no, need we? to tell everybody that it is issue number 45 yes. released on february 4th cover dated february 17th so uh, yes the valentine's, the valentine's issue, issue which uh, came with a fab free gift of a sonic valentine's card and i remembered yeah. that the card was the same as the cover exactly the same which is i mean how would you describe it dave the cover of the card uh, pants. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what it is? It's it's that vector art piece of Sonic yeah. doing winking that we've In seen several times before. 
but done redrawn on a computer? Yes, I think what they've done is they've masked out certain sections and attempted to kind of make, like, the equivalent of a 3D Sonic, except they didn't Mm. have 3D modelling to do it with. Mm. So imagine this. Imagine a ball, a ball of blue, with a very blurry version of the Sonic winking face on it. Yeah. But all very obviously... That's been blown up. Yeah, pixelated, done very small, done with a blur filter maybe but then blown up to way beyond any proportion it was ever supposed to be seen at. So it's all pixels. It's that gross white outline you get when you, you know, increase the size of something in Photoshop without picking the right uh, interpolation. Bits of it are blurry. The outline of the eye is blurry, but the outline of the muzzle and the mouth are not. It's very strange. And then behind that all is a repeat pattern, maybe even an off-the-shelf repeat pattern of maybe sort of semi-3D hearts on a kind of like Flames. fire lava. Yeah. I want to detail my car to look like this background. <laughs> <laughs> Get that big winking sonic face just right on the hood. <laughs> I don't know if this is something that I would still think if I saw this as an adult, but I remember when... Like, my cousins had this issue when I was little. And I until just now, when you've had me look at it closely, I've always thought it was pepperoni pizza. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's what it looks sense. like. It was the 90s. <laughs> Everyone loved pizza. That is exactly what it looks like. It, yeah, it looks like a heart's pizza. Would you believe I just ate a pepperoni pizza 10 minutes before coming on here? I can scarcely believe it. And you cut all the pepperonis into little hearts. <laughs> cut them into the shapes of in hearts. Honor of, yeah, yeah. Because he was feeling lonely. That actually, do you think a restaurant does that? Because that would be delightful. Well, on Valentine's Day, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah they must yeah. have some special pre-cut pepperonis. Or at least they make the pizza itself shaped like a heart. Yeah. It can't be too hard to get, like, a heart-shaped dough cutter and just stamp your sausages yeah. with it. That's a lot of wasted ronies. Though. Well, I mean, I imagine they nibble on them themselves. The product I want to see now is, you know, those, um, those like, sugar co- Well, you probably don't. You don't even have cookies over there. <laughs> they sell, like, sugar cookies that are sort of in a tube shape. And then you slice them and they'll have, like, a design, like a picture of Big Bird or whatever. And then you what? you bake them. It's like they, they sell oh. the dough. No, I know there's sort of thing cookies. you mean. Yeah, that's a okay. thing. But th- it would be pepperoni or sausage or something, and then you <laughs> slice it, and it's got a picture of Sonic's face in the middle. Hey, of well, it. We got that horrible bear ham here. Yeah, we've got horrible bear ham. That's uh, yeah. there's as the brand horrible that's bear ham title over it. at Marks and Spencer. They call <laughs> it the, the bear beast. What do they call it? Billy bear or something? <laughs> yeah, it's called, isn't it? It's, it's just called horrible bear ham, like a, a the bileful bear. <laughs> Is, did, we, did we get a title drop there? We may have done very we early if we did. Zone? <laughs> what I want to establish about this card is that even though it's the same as the cover, the cover, of course, has the, the usual gubbins all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the card simply says Supersonic Valentine on it. Mm-hmm. And on the back, it's just red, plain red, says an STC exclusive. Oh, what oh. day of what does it say inside? I'm going to tell you that, but I've just noticed that it says in tiny little letters at the back, Artwork. So we're going to find out who's responsible for this. Oh, no. Artwork. Steve. And then in quotes, Robocook. So well, Steve. Yes, it's also Robo- written on the inside front co- cover of the comic. So I had that keyed up if you didn't. Right. I see. That's my favorite Paul Verhoeven movie. Does it say. <laughs> does it say Robo? Yes, it does. It does, yes. I assume Steve this must be Robo-Cook? a chap named Steve Cook. Steve and Cook. the name is a riff on the fact that he's done this on a computer. On a computer. It must be a <laughs> that's, that's how novel <laughs> that was as a concept. But if <laughs> we they actually open made up, it part of his nickname. What, what amazing romantic thing will it say on the inside of this card? It says, on the inside, it says, to a super cool Valentine. And then if okay. we turn to the back, it's just blank. Oh, nothing. Uh, wait a minute. It's... Blank on the, it's, the text is on the left hand side and it's blank on the right. Yep. 
That's weird. That's weird, isn't it? Notionally, so you can write your own heartfelt message on the I mean, inside of the Sonic, okay, Sonic so, the Hedgehog Valentine's card. What age are we at this point? I'm going to say I'm what? 13, 12? What would I, the 13-year-old Dave Bulmer, have done in the world with a Valentine's card? I can think of not a single thing. Like, not only was I... And I'm not even, like, because I was Mr. Lonely Pops. It, I just, like... I was 30. I didn't... I was into Sonic. I, what, right, here's my, my wider question. Who is supposed to both want to read Sonic the comic and have a reason to give anyone a Valentine's card? <laughs> you just don't think the two circles of that Venn diagram overlap? No. I can't decide if I prefer the image of someone giving it to someone and then immediately regretting the decision or being made to regret the decision, or if I prefer the image of someone giving it to someone and that's like the beginning of the most beautiful yeah. romance of all time. Yeah. I mean, that's basically Dave and Abby's story. It just didn't involve yep. the, this particular Valentine's yep. card. Maybe if we'd known each other at the time. I remember your story about how you first met when she was trying to cut down a tree for firewood, but that was where you'd made your, your burrow. <laughs> Yeah, and it worked. I, it, what I do is I dig a little um, horseshoe-shaped trench in the floor, and I I slap it with my face, and it makes a bassy thrum that uh, attracts mates. And uh, now this time, when I happened to when I happened to hit it, it made the sound of getting a chaos emerald, and that attracted Abby. <laughs> But no, uh, she wouldn't have liked me, I don't think. I was a, a very annoying boy, and she would have been like, ugh, what an annoying boy. Ugh. We were all basically terrible people as exactly. children. Exactly, that's exactly Children it. are terrible people. I was wonderful. <laughs> well, what's happened since? Oh. I, I, I was going to oh, say, uh, when this issue came out, I didn't know how to read yet. Um <laughs> I was 28 years old. Hey. <laughs> and I, I think I think that sort of purity of spirit. I, you know, I hadn't been corrupted by the thoughts of man. No. I I'd never read Hume. You'd never read the Hume who thinks he's in charge. I'd never been exposed to the ideas that I now use to justify my misdeeds and my, my crimes. <laughs> uh, I have since become a talented savant jewel dealer. <laughs> there's, there's no punchline there. I'm just building a life that I would rather have had. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice, I've often thought about this, wouldn't it be nice to be the person who cuts jewels? You know, into all the little facets. That'd be a lovely job to have, wouldn't it? I would die of anxiety, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, same. But like, in my head, you've learned how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Even well, man. You would get to wear those, learn cool, anything. Uh, those cool glasses loops things. Yes, exactly. Those and you're like, cool. pick, pick, pick. A big, 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 and then you've got you're just you're surrounded by. I bet you've got glass cabinets all around you with special like things holding the jewels up, and you're like, yeah, look at my stuff I made. Yeah. I showed my roommates uh, the Goonies on New Year's Eve, and we were very entertained by how plastic the jewels at the end look. (laughs) Oh, I bet in modern prints, yeah, they're they're great. Well, so we haven't quite finished the cover yet, folks. (laughs) No. Chris, a lot of Chris, stuff went up cut here. Chris, <laughs> take it. Make it finish. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I just want to write like a rom-com about your and Abby's life and like in the act two glow point. She's like, oh, you, you never made sacrifices for me. And then you look down at this issue of this comic that you've never cut the Valentine out of. I know. And yes, the staples ping off. I know. You, and then you run through the rain, running between the raindrops to keep dry, which Sonic has been known to do. It has genuinely crossed my mind as I've been reading this issue for this podcast. Like, is it the time to make use of this Valentine's card? There's no backup. Yeah. It's as romantic as can be because Abby doesn't have this. My Abby doesn't have this issue. And therefore, there is no backup of this. 
But then, like, would it also be... Like, what's more romantic, you know? Writing a Valentine's card, desecrating an issue of STC, a thing that's dear to us both, in order to declare, frankly, for no reason, you know, redundantly declare love for someone you're already married to anyway. Or to keep the STC in pristine quality, you know? What's you the- know, I, I can't even bring myself to throw away packaging from food just in case it becomes a, a memory piece. Yes. So maybe that's, you know, like keep it together and then give it to her, but then just put it back in your collection where it already was, but be like, this is spiritually yours now. I think that would move me much more because like, I'd, I'd just be like, oh, you broke the, the staple, something. <laughs> Those staples won't last. I've remembered my question and I mean it semi-seriously. What are children supposed to do with Valentine's cards? If you're the editors of a children's comic, are you like, these kids need to pair off and I need to help them do it. I need to be their wingman. I will say in America, like Valentine's Day, elementary school, they're just desperate for things to get the kids yeah. to shut the hell up. Like like you'll make <laughs> little boxes to put your Valentine's in and then you'll put them on your desk and then everyone runs around the yes, desk. Yes, I've seen that in film yeah. and television. Yeah. I've seen that on telly as well, but like... That's real, then. It's the kind of thing that gives you a complex. Yeah, that's what I've always thought. Yeah, exactly. that in film and television is like, what if you don't get any? Like, what if yes. you're the Ralph Wiggum of the of the scene who exactly. doesn't get one? You got the kids well, handing out... I think you're kind of required to give one to everyone. Oh, really? But you might give a nicer one to someone you did like. You're even encouraged to give them to your parents, which I think is liable That to- is a, a holiday that I don't think needs to be extended to children. I don't see why that can't just be something for couples. Hey, let's do something. Chris, rescue us, please. Okay, right. <laughs> but that really is um, all there is on the cover, because besides the gift itself and the big art, the only text cover text is Fab-Free Gift plus Streets of Rage, Sonic's World, and Marco's Magic Football. Yep. So it's uh, pretty much just a bullet-pointed list of what's inside, uh... So let's head inside. So Megadroid actually kind of sharing your sentiment in regards to Valentine's Day here in his welcome screen, Dave. Mm. Strange but true, he says, February 14th is the day for showing loved ones how much you care. So being mega-hearted, I've included a free Sonic Valentine card with this issue. As the old saying goes, love makes the world go round, but frankly, it brings me out in rust spots. Oh, Megadroid, that lovable curmudgeon. (laughs) Yeah, although he's not as curmudgeonly later on, is he, in the same column? Later on, he's downright horny. Yeah, Mm. he he lists all the stuff that you get, and then he says, phew, because they're all romantic, right? He finds a way to put a romantic bent on nearly everything. Yeah. He doesn't manage to put a a romantic bent on the shinobi pinup that we have in the center pages instead of the new zone this issue. Should have just done a sexy pinup. We do have a Valentine's-themed graphic zone coming up. He says we love to hit... Dr. Robotnik, <laughs> who is in the two Sonic strips this issue. And uh, Marco's Magic Football even has a romantic interlude. It's one of my favourite romantic interludes in this comic. <laughs> and then he does make the point, uh, Dave, w- would you like to... He says, very... uh, he says, Phew, glad I'm still young, free, and lubricated. Did that word not have that connotation <laughs> back then? It did, and I can prove it. Did. Well, no, I can't oh, prove no. it did, but I can anecdote that it did. Because round about this time, we went round our cousins for Christmas. 
They were playing some sort of Christmas game, and I can't remember what Christmas game it was. That was how long ago it was. But I do remember that the, the prompt on the card was, and all the adults looked at each other and questioned. I was the oldest kid there. Everyone, there was there was like five kids in the family, and they were all looking at each other like, should we should we do this one? Because the question that came up was, name five things that require lubrication. And uh, the adults, Matron. exactly, the adults wow. gave each other looks, and uh, and yeah, I think I think it was Dad tried his best. He said, "Well, pistons, or something like that." And uh, it's oranges, it, and that's all. It, even that sounds rude when I say it. it didn't when he did, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So it did, yeah, it did. That's that is that is a Valentine's Day. Megadroid. Clearly off to self-lubricate after he finishes this welcome screen. <laughs> he's, he's hitting a Megadroid stance there. What? Oh my god, I need to go to bed. <laughs> Dave's got uh, one of those floppy sleeping caps on. I, uh, over the side <laughs> I think I have, yeah. Anything? Oh, look at this, you'll find something very sweet about the next issue of STC, namely hmm. a free pack of Sonic sweets stuck to the cover. Is that going to be Sonic sweets or just normal, like, chewits or something? Well, he does make it say Sonic. He specifically says sweets. Sonic sweets. I have no memory of it, no. that's the thing. Like them pastels, I remember yes. clear as day. Yeah. But, and obviously, chewits in the many later years of the comic mm-hmm. would become infinite as a giveaway i have no memory of what these sonic sweets were nor can i remember any sonic sweets for it to be yeah yeah. existing we'll have to just get some refreshers or something just to stand in to suck on next episode when we're recording and he also says that uh, next issue there will be news of three count them mega brill series heading your way i could tell you one of them features a small fox in an oversized trench coat but then that'd be sneaky of me wouldn't it Mm. So more of that then. I suppose that's just that's what replaces Streets of Rage, yeah. Marco's Magic Football, and Short Fuse, I guess. Rest in peace, Short Fuse. But they don't all finish this issue. No, we're just going to be getting news. Oh, we're getting them. news. Oh, yes. Do you know what? What I realise as I look at this, and it's not from this. The reason that there, where Megadroid says brackets count them, that's what you do. Mm. That's not that hasn't come from this. That's something people have done time immemorial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still flipping do it anytime I'm writing something and I write a number. Mm-hmm. I'll go brackets count them before I can stop myself, and sometimes I'll have to <laughs> delete it because it just comes out. I've been damaged by editorial in children's comics in the 90s well we knew that i mean we did yeah all right sonic summer special runners up says the middle column stop sulking and listen up so you didn't make the sonic tomy competition winners list well all is not lost because you could be one of the 90 lucky boomers to receive a runners up prize and they're going to receive either a sonic duel or a sonic flexi friend or a sonic water wizard that's still pretty decent set of prizes yeah I'd be happy with any of those. Yeah. Now, hang on. You were discussing the graphic nature of a robot being lubricated. Yeah. Uh, but the existence of a Sonic Flexi friend yeah. and a Sonic Water Wizard <laughs> yeah. has gone without comment. <laughs> That's true. Nothing objectionable about it. That was one of those bendable, poseable rubber figurines, yeah. wasn't it? I think, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, we had the first prizes announced uh, last issue, didn't we? These are the, we did. These are the runners. There's what? Uh Gosh, how many of them are there? Eight, ninety, ninety of them. Very appropriate. C. Abbott, St. James, Northampton. D. Anderson. This is just for people who don't have an issue to look at. (laughs) Stop it. Oh, wait. C. Big Wall. There's a name for you. (laughs) Who's this B. Johnson? Hmm. Couldn't be. It couldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) The Bigger Shots. I like that they can't call Star Wars Rebel Assault Star Wars Rebel Assault, so it's just Rebel Assault on the charts. 
Yes. Is that like for a reason or did they just not feel is like that copyright reason or just space? No, I don't know. It's like the Lion King isn't suing. No, and they've managed to fit Jimmy White's whirlwind snooker roll in, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, don't know. There was a game called Jaguar XJ220. Yeah. Don't laugh. It was good. Well, the music was good. Grandma, you got Jaguar XJ210. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> we uh it must have been Maybe our first issue, we we our first yeah, episode we covered very that game. early. Yeah, as I mentioned, that remember that game being mentioned. They must have been announcing that it's released for the Mega CD. Yeah, yeah it right was then. one of the first things that I said I had on mm. the Amiga. <laughs> for it has re-entered the Mega CD chart here at number seven. Mm. The only new entry in the Mega Drive chart is PGA Tour Golf Three at number eight. Otherwise, it's a non-moving FIFA ninety-five up at the top there, and the oh. Lion King at number two. Oh. Sonic and Knuckles continues the slow descent to the fourth position. And it's the only proper Sonic game on there. Spinball's in at 10, but... Mm. Well, Sonic CD's on the Mega CD chart. Okay, fine. But I can mm. see our time sliding away from us right before my eyes. You know, it's all going. Well, it's, all... it's 1995 now, Dave. The sands are draining. Soon be time for Chaotix to come out. Yeah, well, that'll change everything, won't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go, Sonic? Sonic! Day of the Death Egg. A big egg. Written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Richard Elson, and letters by Ellie DeVille. The impossible has happened. The Death Egg has been fully repaired and blasts off from the floating island. Sonic and Tails are bopping badniks in the Emerald Hill Zone when the Death Egg appears overhead. Tails attempts to fly up to attack the satellite, but is instantly vaporized by its death rays, followed soon after by Sonic and the entire Emerald Hill Zone. Dr. Robotnik has won at last. Or rather, that's what a computer-generated simulation It's a total fabrication. Assembled by Grimer predicts will happen once the real Death Egg's repairs are soon completed. You do wind up in sort of two minds about this story, don't you, by the end of it? You might. I just thought it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, I knew you didn't remember the twist at the end. No! It never happened. No. Although, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, hang on. I had this, do you know, I've got a, a memory attached to this issue, actually, now. Now that I know mm -hmm. which one it is. And it's not very robust of a memory. It's purely that I know I was at the shops when I read it, and I couldn't tell you what shops. I think I was sitting mm. on a bench in a shopping centre while Mum went in to do something boring. But... These images, the, oh, all these drawings of the death, the real death egg now. This is the first time we've had the real death egg, mm. right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. In fact, that uh, brings me... Uh, in a recent episode, I was talking about the design of the death egg mm. and where the things are positioned on it and everything. And I realise now that, yes, my mental picture of the death egg is just... It's just what's drawn here. Yeah. But I went and checked it because, it, yeah, it, it turns out I was wrong. STC was wrong. Yep. The actual game death egg, the eyes are... On the upper hemisphere of the globe, what? where you know where the Death Star super laser sits, and the nose and the moustache are the equator. It's just that it falls face first into, into the, the volcano, volcano yes. in the opening sequence of Sonic mm. uh, Knuckles, and in that adorable way that would happen, that being the only visual that they had to work with, mm -hmm. 
Elson has wound up interpreting yeah. that as an actual front-on view. So the two super laser eyes and the moustache are actually, they're consistently drawn as being on the bottom hemisphere with the jets just underneath it where the mouth would be. Yes, but doesn't it look great? I never put that much thought into the layout of the Death Egg, but that's really interesting because later in the Archie comics, they bring the Death Egg back and it just looks like a straight up uh, Easter egg. <laughs> and the face is all gathered like on the bottom bit. And there's like a line of like a toothy grin sort right. of disconnecting the very bottom of the egg. Hmm. Now that you're pointing out all this stuff from Sonic 3, I wonder if that was sort of an allusion to the same. And oh, you know, what's yeah. weird is when I was like four, I hadn't really seen Star Wars. Mm, so no. to me, I had no idea that this was meant to be no. like the funniest thing imaginable, <laughs> which it objectively is. This is hysterically <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, I didn't know about the Death Star at this point. I feel like I did understand the Death Egg was a parody of the Death Star, even though I hadn't seen Star Wars yet. Right. But we were just talking about that last issue and how mm. Star Wars sort of was a hazy thing to people of our age in the UK at the time. Mm. I, I think it's only recent that we've sort of started to talk about Star Wars as if it's like some universal thing. And I think we can only blame uh, the work of Disney's evil branding experts. Oh, I think it goes back to a good long way before that. No, it's all Disney's <laughs> fault. No! They're the reason the minimum wage is low. They're the reason we don't have universal health care. I mean, if you go back far enough, probably. Yeah. <laughs> this is an Elson-drawn issue, so it does look no. lovely. And, I mean... You couldn't have had anybody else. I don't think they could possibly have allowed anybody else to draw the issue with the death egg taking off and the first full proper view of it. Even though by, you know, the standards of Sonic the comic, it's a totally skippable issue. You know, yeah. I mean, I say I'm of two minds of it, and that's just because as a person, I don't hold a lot of truck with. And, and it, it was, was all the dream. dream endings. We got you. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, but I think this serves a purpose. In fact, I'll, you know what? I'm going to say it's not a skippable issue because what this issue does is it tells you what the Death Egg can do if... That's true. We haven't really had that... No. Yeah, you only kind of know it from the games up to this Yeah, point. so it makes it the threat, and it even makes it a bigger threat than in the games, really, because you never really yeah, yeah. see what it can do in the games. You no, just... it never does anything no. in the games, does it? And here <laughs> it is, established what it can do, and it's really scary and dreadful, and it'd be awful if this ever succeeded. It's funny, actually, just the more I think about it, of course, any understanding of what it is as a deadly weapon is rooted in understanding that it is a parody of the Death Star. Mm. Yeah. Rather than anything it itself has ever done before yeah. this point. It's Whereas. just understanding that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you couldn't show it destroying a planet as they do in Star Wars or destroying, yeah. like, a zone without being like, oh, those people are dead now. Yeah, well. Or yeah. else, like, you're robbing it. This is, like, the only PG sort this of... This is how you can do it. Yeah. yeah. And even then, you have to graphically murder... You have to disintegrate Sonic. Yeah. Which is probably the best panel in the issue. Yeah. Sonic and Tails die in this issue. <laughs> Sonic's gloves are being like disintegrated. Oh, it's so good. It was at that point that I was like, even yeah. as a kid, yeah, I can yeah, remember, yeah. I was like, oh, so this isn't this isn't real then. This is a fake. You've lied to me. You've cheated me story. You I know, was sure it was going to be like, oh, they did it wrong. It's a teleportation gun or whatever. Right. Mm. But the thing is, if when we get to the actual Death Egg story, the real one, not a simulation really launching, they won't have time to do this sort of thing. And if they did, it would be undermined by the fact that, like, it would actually have consequences if they did it then. You'd have to kill Tails to have this effect. Whereas here, yes, it's a simulation. Yes, it's all a dream. But we know what it can do. We know what they are about to do. And now we're like, how are they going to stop this? Like, 
I still can't really remember what it is that stops them from initially doing this as soon as the Death Egg launches. I remember some details about what happens along the way, but, like, this makes the Death Egg really scary. I love it. I mean, it's definitely buoyed up a bit by the fact that, yeah, this isn't just, I don't know, the episode of Turtles, where the Turtles all have that dream about Shredder taking yeah. over the city and everything, yeah. you know. That it is, it does serve a narrative function as a prologue to... Mm the biggest story the comic ever did yeah but i i just in my soul i have that difficult to overcome yeah thing with no i know what you mean i know what you mean it's a, it only works as a prologue and we know it's a prologue and if it hadn't been a prologue it'd be like hey, what was this you know you could be onto something with that yeah because i mean obviously at the time when i read it originally i had that yeah. visceral reaction to it being fake and that's just stayed with me ever since mm. But uh, yeah, I didn't know no. at the time that it was a prologue. For anyone who doesn't read along with these, read along with these, okay? At least go and look at the. You really should. <laughs> but you don't have to. Go on eBay, buy a whole collection, <laughs> mortgage your house. Yep. I want to talk about the, the first couple of pages here because the first page is one, two, three, four, five horizontal slice panels of stage by stage the launch of the Death Egg. The first one, you've got a countdown going on. You've got all of the... What are the bits? The towers from the launch base are yeah. all attached to it. You've got a countdown. The well, they, they specifically call them umbilicals here. Well, and I think that might have been where I learned the word oh. from. Yeah. I was a very observant fetus, so I, I learned it. <laughs> <laughs> all of the plugs between these towers and the death egg, they all pop out in the second one where it says releasing umbilicals. Because the jets are starting out, you can't see them, but now the death egg is like darker and lit more dramatically then the next one is the jets and it's lifting up in the air then we're above helicopter shot as it launches up from some mountains and then we're looking at a little window in the side where robotnik and grimer are looking out of it but it's absolutely colossal and then page two you turn the page because of course it's a right hand page is the first page of the comic turn the page and there is a full page spread of the death egg which comes up if you mm. just google death egg it's one of the main <laughs> yeah. illustrations you'll find and it's Whoa, it's, whoa, it's a good one. I mean, we always say, in fact, it's it's weird how often we say it, mm. given that it seems to completely contradict the sentence itself, but full-page splashes weren't very common. Yes. <laughs> Even though we do say it, but but uh, they weren't. And uh, this was an image that was absolutely, you know, deserving of that. I do wonder if Elson didn't lay out the page, perhaps, with the intention of the title bar going at the bottom, though. Mm, yeah, because, yeah. And, well, but then it would have covered the impact. Well, yeah, but there's still a lot of... There is. Shroom, yeah. still visible, even if you transpose yeah, yeah, yeah. that downward. Then you get a fairly standard page of just, uh, Sonic Tales fighting Badniks. But it is nice to see Elson drawing Isn't it? some classic Badniks. Some classic yeah, that Badniks, yeah. There's a rhino bot from Sonic 3. They're not on the Angel Island at the time, but doesn't matter. It's also imaginary. Doesn't it doesn't matter. It's fake. It's a what? simulation. It doesn't matter. What is... What on earth is that, Abby? What in Christ's name? This what is... is that? Uh, you, well, we wanted to talk about the Death Egg, and this is terrifying in the Archie comics, which I thought went serious sort of around the same time as Fleetway. We were talking yesterday... Uh, Privately, me and Dave in mm. our uh, in our hangouts, you know. Yeah, we're, we were we're, always... we were doing collusion. <laughs> well, he he sneaks into my apartment to steal matchsticks <laughs> and uh, little bits of fabric, <laughs> little little threads. My cat hates him, so I, I've always got to. I've been trying to capture him to prove that he exists to museum owners. <laughs> Uh, for for wealth, and we were talking because the the Archie comics were very silly for a lot longer than Fleetway, and like mm. Fleetway still could do funny stuff. Mm. Yeah, but sort of the rise of like oh death exists was a little a little later 
The closest they went to doing the Death Egg was like 1993 and it's just this terrible robotic face it's called the robo storm and just to give you an idea of the tone of the early archie comics it could turn the whole world into robots with a laser and it sure. could also block cable transmissions <laughs> oh and that's gosh. the wacky joke <laughs> and i bet it's sonic watching his television and then the signal goes out hey what's going on and that's how they find out he's so mad dave manic wrote it yeah you know good old dave manic bring him back IDW. Yeah, but then, then like, two years after this in the Fleetway comics, they finally introduced the Death Egg, long after it had ever appeared in any Sonic mm. games. Like, there was yeah. no reason for them to bring it in, and they gave it, like, this three-issue, like, spin-off that was just, like, straight... Yeah, the straight... Uh, Sonic Quest. Sonic Quest, it? Yeah. yeah. It was so dramatic and cool. <laughs> uh, Patrick Spaziante is, like, early, sort of when he was establishing himself as a, a mm -hmm. pretty good... A reasonably talented guy, I say, unable to draw a stick figure myself. <laughs> it's them at their peak, and it, it's... Mm. I sort of figured these were contemporary, and there was sort of like a Sega thing. Yeah, you need so. to use the Death Egg, because everyone loves the Death Egg. Yeah, Sonic and Knuckles just come out. Yeah, but no, it, it, it was years until they realized, oh, that's kind of a, a cool idea. Weird. That we could use. Huh. So what? So Archie didn't have the Death Egg until, like, years after we did? They didn't bother at all. God, that's really... weird. Well, look, talking of the Death Egg, so page four, we're back to a stellar page in which the people mm -hmm. of the Emerald Hill watch the Death Egg eclipsing the sun and it's got the, the little points of the moustache are poking out from the big eclipse and then the eyes go on it's amazing <sighs> and oh and I, do you know what as a kid didn't get this they say that's mm -hmm. no moon <laughs> they do, don't they? Yeah, I didn't really get it myself. Yeah, Th there's a rabbit who's not Johnny Lightfoot. Says, "Don't panic, everyone. It's just an eclipse. The moon's blotted out the sun." And then someone else says, "As the eyes light up, yeah. whatever that is, I don't think it's the moon." Yeah, and then it blasts with both of its eyes and just blows up the Emerald Hill Zone and a duck. <laughs> well, everybody's fine, it seems. Look at the duck. Wait, when you say that's not John, the duck is great. <laughs> He's like, whack, it's a living. They're all, yeah, well, it's well, getting obliterated by a living. Everything is getting blown up. Homes are being smashed and sent up into the air. The literal earth is breaking apart. Everyone's scattering and being thrown through the air. And then there's this one duck guy who's like looking out of the camera, sort of mugging and doing a big bong yep. sort of face. That's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> Wait, one panel later, there's like a guy like rubbing his head like, oh, what happened? And another guy's still yeah. standing. But then a second later, it, it just obliterates Sonic. So when you say not Johnny Lightfoot, do you mean because this is a simulation or is there some other lore thing going on? Because Porker Lewis is right there. Just didn't st I, and Porker Lewis doesn't wear a brown jacket. <laughs> <laughs> this is a question we often ask ourselves, Abby. We're like, yes. to what extent is any rabbit a Johnny Lightfoot in this comic? But specifically in the or earlier issues. Porker Lewis. In the earlier issues. Oh my gosh, names. the little walrus guy from the games. Uh, you can see him upside down yeah. in the panel. That's a great design for that guy. Yeah. I wish he was in there more. Looks like he's wearing a sort of all-in-one suit. Yeah. <laughs> like a little old man because rich is giving them all clothes here and they are clothes very similar to the ones that porker and johnny do wear it is ambiguous yeah. i don't think it's them but it is ambiguous i mean everybody's wearing them exactly so, yeah you know, everybody's wearing if that was trousers in a jacket over a shirt if that was porker he'd have sonic's face on the back of his jacket <laughs> that's true that's how you know it's not yeah. yeah doesn't have the freedom fighter symbol on the back no. well spotted dave thank you <laughs> So, yeah, so then Tails decides to be brave, and he's like, do you know what? I'm going to catch him by surprise. And he tries to do the, well, this is before the film Independence Day came out, but he tries to do that. He tries to <laughs> yeah, fly to up into the beam Day. and get inside. And we watch 
as Tails is dissolved by a massive blast from one of the eyes of the Death Egg. And Rich draws him in this kind of hatching way, in this kind of vague way as his body is just dissolved into nothing. And then Sonic's left looking at the, the steam going through the sky going, Tails... It's a great one. This is a really good issue. It's a nice Tails moment, isn't it? Yeah. Giving him some response. It's nice to think that Grimer would program yes. <laughs> like a simulation of Tails that gives him more respect than half of the stories in STC ever do. <laughs> Grimer is our favourite Tails writer so far. I also, notably, the last thing this Sonic ever says to Tails is, Come back, you Come idiot. Back, you idiot. Yes. <laughs> that would haunt fake Sonic. But fortunately, he dies soon after, so oh. he doesn't have to live with the guilt for oh thank goodness long. yeah lucky him a wide beamed two eye blast gets sonic so this was they'd started drawing sonic straight on like a christmas tree mm. yeah so we got there which, by this point in the archie comics they just sort of decided we'll never draw him straight on <laughs> yeah. at all i feel like this way of doing it is very easy for kids to draw so it's yeah. you know it's, it's got that going for it probably contributed to the character's popularity it's something that stc is famous for but it but it did come off a style guide they were given yeah yeah we didn't invent yeah. it yeah we as in we the brits or we the uk <laughs> I'm not a Brit, but yeah <laughs> well you we see of course now we've got our sovereignty back we can uh, design sonics from the front all day long now <laughs> yeah. we can make look like any kind of tree now as long as it's not one of them foreign trees no palm trees <laughs> Sorry. Unfortunately, the pine tree is from Finland. Yeah. <laughs> oh what? No, Christmas tree, that's as British as Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Yes. And then... Just his shoes getting Swiss cheesed is such yeah. a vivid detail. Yeah, that one's always stuck. So, so yeah, he, he runs up a ramp to yeah. leap for the death egg professing that his speed will make him not such an, not as easy a target as Tails, and uh, Robotnik simply sets the beam to wide angle and just literally wipes out the entire zone in yes. one huge blast. And we get a, a last sort of about of a half third of a page panel of Sonic being caught in the beam, and yeah, his uh, sneakers and gloves being disintegrated. Well, off of it's him. the child-friendly version of that moment in early mm. um, Terminator Two, isn't it? The holding onto yeah, the yeah. chain link <laughs> fence. We're watching. What is in this moment a stand-in for Sonic's skin getting dissolved off because his shoes and gloves are shredding in the direction of the beam and left for another second, that would be his skin and face. Can you imagine how horny that one guy who sent in that one I know, about I... Sonic's feet got at this point? He was point in my heart. He caught glimpses of, of the blue flesh through the holes in the shoes. Exactly. Exactly. It's a tease, isn't it? You don't get to see any toes, mm. but you can tell what colour his feet are. Oh, you can see the flesh. Oh. <laughs> well, and then it blacks out and a voice says it's finished light please and yep sure enough it was just a a simulation that it Grimer was all set up. a dream yeah. do you think that Grimer would still be like creepy scuzzy looking if he wore like cartoon animal silk gloves like everyone else wears because <laughs> he's meant to be like a lizard thing right? not as he would be, but, well, we don't really know. Don't, we? I've always thought he was some kind of lizard thing. And he'd be, he'd certainly be a still lizard. a bit creepy. With the face and then the pig nose and the, the little points of hair and everything. Spider but, I mean, hairy. when you get those, those nasty, knobbly, shriveled claws, <laughs> you cover those up, you're losing I just noticed this Sonic has five fingers. Yeah. Huh. I suppose. He just, he does. Sonic has five I've fingers. never really... Never really thought to... I thought no cartoon animals had all five fingers. Sonic does. I'm sure Sonic must have always had his had that many fingers. Sonic, probably. I, I never count fingers. I feel like a weirdo pointing it out. 
Sonic has always had five fingers. Well, no, but this was... So he does, yeah, all through the issue. This was one of those things back in the day people used to point it out because of that. I I think we've even talked about this on the podcast. There used to be this belief, like just an old wives' tale, that Japanese characters had to have five fingers because if they didn't, it meant the Yakuza. But that wasn't true. I don't remember mentioning that before. What the story was that I first heard this rumour as was that they couldn't have Postman Pat in Japan because he didn't have enough fingers for them or something. So they had to like... I mean, it was all just nonsense. It was just tabloid stuff. Yeah, yeah. Signs it. But because of that, I'm just aware how many fingers Sonic's got. I actually, and this is 100% true, I was born with six fingers on both of my hands. Really? They got cut off because they didn't have any bone or, or muscle. Like they were just... Wow! And, and, and they would have gotten caught in stuff. So when I was like two yeah. days old, they cut them off. There was one picture of me as a as like a newborn with six fingers and all the women Ow. in my family except my sister who's a jerk <laughs> have it so all the good women in my family uh, were born uh, like that and so I actually when I see people drawn with only five fingers I think they're mocking me <laughs> <laughs> it's unlucky yeah. was any of that true or was it just to say that it, it is 100% true I can dig up a photo if you want oh wow I thought you were going to say I could dig up the fingers there's like a tiny bump Sweet. right on the side of my pinky oh. like if I bump it, like it hurts like a mother. Really? So like it, it's good that they cut it off because like if it was still that sensitive, it would just yeah. Because I can't control it, it would wouldn't have had any muscle or anything. It would have. Huh. So like it's for the best. I believe it's caused by some ancient Curse? far back inbreeding, ah. but I hope not. <laughs> but I assume just because this is the British side of my family, I just you know it. it there's not not a lot to do. Over well, who there did they? Besides. Who did they inbreed with? Like the people who've got twenty fingers on each hand. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I would assume they inbred with each other. I think that's how it works. Oh, is that what inbreeding is? Oh, right. Yes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> is that, uh, that's the definition of inbreed. Right, yes. Yes. <laughs> Who did they inbreed with? Fucking hell. I do uh, chuckle at this caption here that uh, from Megadroid. Just to make sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't it sweet? Yeah. You guessed it, boomers. This whole story never actually took place. It's a fake. It's fiction. You didn't really think we'd let anything happen to poor Tails, did you, Megadroid? It amuses me that they single out Tails as if that was the impossibility <laughs> and not Sonic and the entire Emerald Hill Zone <laughs> being wiped from the face of this world. No, it was the fact that Tails died. You don't think we'd really make a duck look at you? They're not going to kill Porker Lewis. He's the moneymaker of the series. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we just end with this threat that the uh, the real Death Egg launch is... Not far no. off at all. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Something's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess my opinion of the story is just irrevocably tied up in mm. how I received it the very first time. I don't hate it or anything. It's a gorgeous issue. Of course, great Elson artwork, but me and... And it was all fake endings. Well... They tire me. They task me. They task me. And I think, Chris, you already know what my reaction to this story was, because... I've been reading it to you for months, haven't I? Yes, I mean- <laughs> clearly. I mean, that's the thing. So much of the end of Mobius, Dave's angsty teenage fan fiction that he has been reading to me over on our Patreon, feels massively informed it's by the few been. pages of destruction we have it's in this all- one. The beam disintegrating yeah, people. Blowing up the whole Emerald Hill zone. the zones from space. Um, yeah. Sonic and Tails die and it immediately doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Then they're just fine. Yeah. No dreams, though. I never woke him up from... Uh, it was all just a dream, I don't think. I guess we'll find out. Maybe. Yeah, we haven't finished reading no, it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Next issue, The Big Con. Mm. I think this issue was The Big Con. <laughs> I'm excited to hear you talk about the next one. It's cute. It's also got a robotic building that's also on the last page of this issue, foreshadowing. 
that looks a lot like the very scary Robotnik death egg that I sent you a picture of. They're both extremely Wait, funny to me. You mean we get Citadel Robotnik next issue? Yes, that's next issue. Oh my word! It's great. Oh. Anything that looks like Eggman, like nowadays, whenever they do any hey, Robotnik hey, stuff in this, you take that name out your mouth. <laughs> it's Robotnik. <sighs> it's Robotnik. <laughs> I just think the mustache is a, a better part of the branding nowadays. Yeah. Like he's all about his sort of logo with his smile, which is a fun logo. But it's not as funny. Mm. It doesn't lean as heavily on the mustache. Putting a mustache on an inanimate object is much funnier than putting a face on an inanimate object. That's true. Fact. Yeah, that, yeah. Shall we go to the review zone? Yes, review zone. Wait, you do that every? You do that? No. personally, I thought. Oh, no, no, that just re-puts it in. Although I have, I have started <laughs> doing it actually with review zone. I just like it. I think it sounds nice. Can, can I? Can I try for this one? Yeah. Review zone. Yeah. Review zone. David's here. After all these many months it's of plaguing us, absolutely ad upon ad upon Finally. ad, to see him ad repeated infinitely over and over. <laughs> Dave, the hurricanes for Mega Drive. It's the hurricanes. Finally, you in this game? Yeah. yeah, I'm not interested. And it's a load of pants. It's just rubbish. Sportsy balls. Yep, this is a review by Nick Protz, where he um. Gives it as close as he can possibly to a Savagin. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he says what I said. When they announced Marco's Magic Football, I said, well, there's already Soccer Kid. And he's gone like, hmm. there's already both Marco's Magic Football and Soccer Kid. Why do we need yeah, another he platform? Soccer Kid even. Yeah. And the thing is, I've had a look at, I haven't played this, but I've had a look at the video and like, and this was ages ago, back when it was first mentioned in the comic. To my memory, it's way less inspired than either of those games in terms of the football hmm. physics. You literally might as well have a gun. You're just going wrong, <laughs> and you can just shoot a football, and it immediately just appears back by your foot, and like, it doesn't look good. Dave, your review of this game is very similar to my review of most aspects of modern life. You might just as well have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> he actually makes some technical comments. You know, this is the way we like to see him do in a review. Yeah. Jerky scrolling and lack of definition in the animation. Yeah. Another platform game with nothing new to offer. A healthy sprinkling of enemies and a few puzzles. It's pretty lame. Not enough thought has gone into turning a cartoon into a decent platform game, mm -hmm. and it gets a savage 60% in the, in the final <laughs> yeah. analysis. The graves are all too familiar platform romp. Even the raves is a sneaky grave. It's really yeah. easy to play. But uh, Micro Machines 2, on the other hand, gets a glowing review from David Gibbon. Oh, Chris, so I'll tell you something about Micro Machines 2, Chris. Tell uh, me, Dave. It's... Yes, <laughs> this uh, this glowing review does stop <laughs> mid-sentence. <laughs> it says, if you enjoyed the original, <laughs> you'll adore Micro Machines too, as it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder if it was supposed to feed into the Reeves box, which says, the most fun you'll ever get from your Mega Drive. Oh, but maybe! I don't yeah. think it was. I think it's just a coincidence. Yeah, but if the if they were delivering it as, like... Review, 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 and then raves, and then graves. You might do it like that. No, I think it just... Yeah, think but you've got to get through the whole rest of the fast facts box before yeah. you get to that, so it doesn't flow. I don't, I don't it, when it, when it comes to, it. to printing, you do, yeah. So an editor should have changed that if that is what it is. Yeah, yeah no, that's just silly. It just went wrong. 
But, but it's a they very glowing review of Micro Machines 2, all the same. I remember when they announced the J cart, they mentioned, mm. I think, that this w- would have it. They were the cartridges which had the extra gamepad ports built into the cartridge, so four players could play up to once up, up to four up players to could once. play up to, <laughs> game I want to say here <laughs> up to four players could play at once That's you, can play, you can play this new game up to once <laughs> <laughs> but it says here that up to eight people can play it at the same yeah. time two people sharing each joypad doesn't say how doesn't it say they made a little last minute fiddle i thought about that i didn't look it up i just guessed and imagined and what i'm thinking is all you need to do in Micro Machines, because it's the kind of controls where you just hold forwards and you tur- you revolve left and right. So really, mm. really all you need is three buttons, one for go, one for left and one for right. And you've got three mm. buttons on a Mega Drive joypad. So yeah, technically. In fact, do they? Wait, how would the other player go? I guess they would hold start. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure, yeah, because there's going to be an acceleration button and maybe yeah. a brake button too. I don't know. We should have looked it up, but never mind. Should have, I bet no soul on this earth ever actually played an eight-player game no. of Micro Machines too. God, no. It's interesting that they even adapted this for eight-player mode because the actual annual Micro Machines rallies are usually have eight racers at a time. Oh, and I, I attended. Was this was the 1995 rally. Uh, we attended it while we were in the UK, and that was where Dave and I first met because he he had. Play a pin, eh? I was racing. I was going like, "What's this? I've not heard of these, but I'm just going to let her talk for a while." <laughs> His um. The, the joke the, is that Dave is small. <laughs> I can't even remember why. Am I like slightly less tall than you? <laughs> I am freakishly tall, and oh, it right, makes me okay. self-conscious. And we were standing next to oh, each other. Oh, so you lash out at others, guys? And I, I wanted. To- <laughs> to live in a fantasy world where I was the right height. I'm prepared to give you this gift. I'm um, taller than both of you. <laughs> he had little carrot medallions were his wheels. Yes. <laughs> little carrot medallions. And a toothpick was the axle of his car. Little and his windshield medallions. was a contact lens. Slices of carrot. Dude. Oh, okay. oh of right. Carrot medallions. <laughs> it just meant like a medallion in the shape of a he carrot. He wore a carrot medallion a that had been given ward. to him by the rabbit mage. Yeah, exactly. So how's that going to help with being wheels? Look, Micro Machines. Hey, they were nice, weren't they, Micro Machines? Little Micro Machines, I liked them. I had off-brand Micro Machines. I had a plastic pen thing that had four Micro Machines in it, but they weren't Micro Machines, they were knockoffs. And I used to chew on the silver one until it got all chewed on. Yeah. Yeah. Was Micro Machines the one that had the, the ad where the guy talked really fast? Yeah, John Machita, the Micro Machine Man. I don't know where the connection between talking really fast and Micro Machines like. He, he used to do ads for FedEx, and famously he was the voice of Blur on Transformers, who was a super fast talking character. I never under, I've never to this day understood how that comes to connect to no. micro machines. I don't understand. Because they're they're cars, so they move fast. Oh, <laughs> could be, I suppose. But they but that wasn't what they did. They were just small. No, they, they were tiny. So do, do you think thing. it would have been better if instead it was like these are micro machines? <laughs> yes. yes. They're so little, really small. Actually, yes. 
But they do say here that in this game you get to race new mini micro and ultra micro sized vehicles. Mini micros were a real thing. You could buy micro machines that came with even tiddly widdlier little idly biddly <laughs> micro machines. And I, I really wanted one, but I never had one. You would have swallowed it from the sounds of it. Dave once got run over by an ultra micro sized <laughs> car, but he didn't notice because it was so much bigger. <laughs> I just, just went clean <laughs> under the axle. Yeah. But, um,. <laughs> But Ultra Micro, if that existed, if there was ever a toy of Ultra Micro, it would literally be microscopic. There wasn't. That's just for the game. We're in a rice territory. I have been unable to find any footage of this, which is a shame. I want to see the widdly little cars in the game, but Mm -hmm. couldn't find it. I thought I'd never played Micro Machines 2, but it turns out I must have, because this is the game where they made Violet Berlin. It's a kind of cartoony, point-and-clicky, inventory, platformy, puzzly, role-playing-y sort of game sort of thingy. From the TV show about video games' bad influence into one of the player characters. And that was a whole thing. I mean, I remember that being on television when that happened. Yeah, Violet Berlin was, and by all accounts is, really cool. And would have been excited about this sort of thing and deserved to get that. Good on you, Violet. Can I read the funniest sentence in this? Go on. Please. The all-new tracks are even more innovative than the original, with such delights as racing around an oval lucite. That's what I would say if I hated a game. Like, oh boy, a toilet seat. How fun. You get to circle a toilet. Yeah, it doesn't sound like high praise, does it? You get to circle a toilet just like my career. And that's what happened at the end of the review. It was just like, yellow door micro machines too. Is this? Oh god. <laughs> Presumably this is Gibbons' review, but I don't know. It doesn't say because no. there's no credit at the end because it just stops. And do you know what? I've been saying he for Nick Prots, but I don't know that it's a boy Nick. There are girl Nicks. Uh, N I C K girl Nick. <laughs> is that one of Robotnik's latest inventions? <laughs> the N I C K girl Nick. <laughs> Dave, name one girl named Nick. Nick. Oh. <laughs> Ernie L's Golf. This is... Oh my Jesus, Dave. You <laughs> surely, surely right. You this is must have so had the boring. same reaction I did to this. Yes, my eyes were sliding off the page. My eyes didn't even slide. I woke up from a, a Twitter tumble like half an hour after I'd started trying to even watch a video of this game. I was so bored by this whole thing. Oh, the most interesting point I have to... I mean, it's a very glowing review, actually, yeah. to be fair to it. They do give it 90%. Gibbon loves it's it. It's a really advanced golf sim that's great fun to play. But they do just talk about the several real Lee Carvello's putting challenge stuff going on here. Several factors need to be considered before hitting a shot, including weather, wind speed direction, type of club, and stance. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's murder. God, the, it's the, so the only the, all I have is like they put an apostrophe in the name that's not in the name. <laughs> it's supposed to be Ernie L's golf in the same way that it's Pete Sampras tennis or John Madden football. Oh. It is, yeah. It, but they've made it Ernie L's, L's possessive yes. golf. Ernie, um. this is the golf belonging to so, Ernie L's. You, you know the Arnold Palmer that's a lemonade and iced tea sort of an equal mm. mix named for the famous golfer Arnold Palmer. The oh. Ernie L is just half weak tea. And half water. (laughs) He's probably a lovely man. I looked this game up on YouTube. It's like a parody of a golf game. It's actually quite interesting and clever that, like, a game on such a limited system as the Game Gear can store and render complicated 3D environments like this. Because it is. Mm. But 
it only shows you them in still images. So oh. what you get is a, a man on quite a complicated course. There's like trees everywhere. Look, It looks pre-rendered, or maybe it is, I don't know. So you just press the button and he just takes a swing in his little corner of the screen. And then the ball goes up and the ball goes down. And wherever it lands, it'll render the next scene. And then there's your man standing statically in that. So there's no movement once it's shown you the, the mm. screen. And he does his next switch. So you're always just behind this man looking in the direction of the hole to take the shot. Trouble is, it takes a long time for each one to render, meaning that the actual game consists of a man, a man standing there on a still screen. He swings his golf club. It cuts to the next loading screen, which has gears turning and making like a little actual rhythmic grinding sound. And then back Oof. to the man who swings his club again. And then you're dropped on like a, a menu screen and given an upbeat rock and roll tune. It's astonishingly dull. It highlights its own dullness. I cannot imagine anyone being able to bear playing this for more than a few minutes. That's my review. It gets a good review. What can you say? It does. Presumably from a golf fan. I mean... Sweets of Rage. The Only Game in Town, Part 5. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Peter Richardson, letters by Tom Frame. Axel falls from the East River Bridge but lands safely on a girder below. Only Blaze sees this, but allows her teammates, and the goons surrounding them, to think Axel is dead. Mr. X soon arrives, intending to kill our heroes in order to keep from losing all the money he took from bets placed on their survival. Blaze makes the unlikely bet that they can make it over the river to safety, and X accepts. Whereupon, Axel comes roaring up in the battle wagon, mowing down X's men. The street ragers pile in, and Axel floors it in an attempt to jump the river via the half-constructed bridge. But their chances of making the leap don't look good. I actually had to go over this one twice before I fully understood mm. all the little things that were happening in it. I certainly missed some of the details you've just pointed out there, yeah. So someone's trying to kill you, and you <laughs> bet that you'll live, just so that they have more reason to kill you if you live. Is that what? I think primarily what's happening is she's buying time. Yeah. Because, see, I mean, when I first read it, I didn't realize that she realized Axel was okay. No, I didn't. Mm. I'll admit that, yeah. But I went back over it and I realized, like, like first panel, really quite clever. You've got Blaze oh, gripping great. onto the edge of the panel border and looking out, yeah. as it were, over the edge of the panel to where Axel has fallen after he was struck or stabbed at the end of last issue. And you notice how she immediately says axel's gone yes. nobody can save him now she's making sure they don't come anywhere near the edge so they don't see that he's there when i read it i missed that and i thought it was just that she like i thought it was weird that she said that like accept it max you know i thought all right it's being a bit take it easy a bit of sensitivity you yeah know? exactly but no you're right it's that she does see that he's fine she sees it and you can see axel is signaling up to her in that yeah. last panel he's putting a finger up to her he's making a finger gun i really thought he had like a punch and judy face with like a long nose <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because it's a well drawn like this is a, a cool looking comic yeah. oh, but it God, also yeah. like because of the I don't know if experimental isn't the word because like people have done this for centuries. Mm. But the way that the page is laid out, like the bad guys trying to kill Axel are drawn looking directly at Axel under the bridge as if they can <laughs> yeah, see him. Yeah, sort of, yeah, the way the panels fall. Even yeah. though they can't because it's a different panel. So I think it, what Blaze is basically doing, it's because it's not as if Mr. X is going to pay out whenever they survive, <laughs> you know. She is primarily just buying time so Axel can get 
to the wagon and come mow these guys down. Great drawing of guys getting mowed down, by the way. Yeah. Really, really, really dynamic. The artwork in this one... It's really good. It's really good, and it's there's something about it that's a bit more polished than sometimes, hmm. I think. There's a, a tidiness to it, isn't yeah. it? There's a, there's a... Do you know what I think it is? Is I think it's because most of the backgrounds are um, mm. just like dark blue voids. Night, the, really, the night yeah. sky. You know, everything seems delineated at the edges a little more and there's quite a lot of close-ups that give him a chance to put some Mm. details in like the the picture page two bottom left the close-up of x that looks like wolf out of gladiators Mm. really (laughs) really carefully and brilliantly like rendered oh those eyes are beautiful yeah it's fantastic it's i like the way they draw blaze with like there's a line on her body like as if she has a physical existence on this physical earth which you wouldn't usually see in comics for the sexy bubba babe character <laughs> like it would just be like you'd see a face and then there'd be a bra and then just <laughs> sort of flat perfect skin as if she was some sort of a ghost because that's what i'm led to understand people find attractive yes i think right, if yes. they were trying to buy time anyway i think it would be extremely funny if she said what odds on us making it across the river now and, like, he got an actuarial guy to come in and calculate. <laughs> <laughs> or if he just, yeah, just kept asking, well, what odds on us getting to uh, this <laughs> here? <laughs> what are the odds on us making it across the river now? <laughs> what are the odds on us making it across the river now? If I tie my hands behind my back. <laughs> I do get the impression that she's supposed to maybe be appealing to, like, the businessman slash gambler in him mm-hmm. as well. And he, he takes it on faith that that safety deposit box has $20,000. Right? In it. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm thinking. She holds up a key and so, to make the bet. She says, here's my safety deposit box key. I want to place a bet of $20,000 cash. And I'm like, that could be the key to your back door. <laughs> <laughs> it's mysterious safety deposit boxes are like great noir. That's classic. Well, yeah, in, in this series... You would take that on faith, really. I don't, you yeah. know, everyone's got a safety deposit box, don't they? Yeah. My, yeah, my main reaction in that moment is like, where the hell has she got $20,000, 1995 money from? That's now $7 million. Well, they do turn over a lot of drug labs. Um, um, they probably take um, a certain amount of what they find there, you know? Because yeah. it's not as if the filth, whenever they get their hands on it, are going to, like, <laughs> do anything. They're just going to steal it and keep it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're surrounded then by X's armed goons and uh, Max says, how many of these guys do you think are cops? Mm. And Blaze says, all of them. It's great. And then it ends on a page of them speeding towards this bridge and it's really cool. I love this page, yeah. yeah. It's like six panels and the first panel is the police station back with Ferocio and the second panel is the the battle wagon speeding towards the edge of the bridge and then for the next it just cuts back and forth mm. boom 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 in these big slice panels just diagonally Diagonal sliced slice. across yeah. the page cutting back and forth in between one and like another. a guy slowly turning to the camera with uh, anxiety mm. it's great oh it's really cool and i think this is maybe this is supposed to be the same cop that he beat up in the earlier issue i'm not sure oh um i'm not i don't know for sure it's, anyway, it's a cop who relishes telling him mm. this anyways is i can't prove it ferocio but instinct tells me you helped those renegades oh blaze fielding was my partner and a damn good cop yeah but she quit the force remember thought you'd like to know we're getting reports of an incident down by the east river it doesn't look good. As Furoshi looks, like turns to the camera and his eyes widen in terror as he realizes what we're being told. Yeah. As our heroes vault the edge of the bridge, 
Ooh, and it looks like they missed. Uh, they haven't made it. They're falling off. They're dropping off before they get to the other side. No way are they going to hit that. I don't, I, this was a really great final page yeah. cliffhanger, I have to say. I really enjoyed yeah. the, the build on this one. And it was like, there really doesn't seem to be any question that they have bollocks to that. Yes. They, they are not making it to no the other way side can they. We can the see the other side. We can see that they are already below it. Yes. And then, so we'll see if they cheat us next issue on that or not. What but, if they yeah. jump out of the car? Oh, maybe. They yeah, do. they could do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe they, that's probably what they do. Actually, if I'm now, this is Nigel Kitching, but if I was Mark Miller and I was writing, you know, the conclusion to this, I'd have one of them get a bazooka out, shoot down into the van, and that <laughs> launches them all up into the sky. I don't think even Mark Miller <laughs> would go that far. That's more of an anime solution to a problem. You know, the momentum is imaginary. If they just, you know, throw something out of the top of the wagon and, and the momentum will carry them up or something <laughs> like that. No, I don't know how it's going to pay off. Well, next issue is called The, the payoff. payoff. Which is a good pun in and of itself because it's the payoff yeah. to the story and it's the resolution to a story that was also about a big betting yeah, ring. Good at it. Uh, no, yeah. just good at it. Yeah, this has been good. You know, it, it's interesting in the way that it is just one long running action scene from start to end yeah. instead of the hyper condensed 80s movie that Mark Miller served up in each of his two serials where there were lots of time jumps and scene changes and everything where this one is just boom ground running mm. real time almost you know news yeah no news zone this issue no, and that is uh, something when last episode when we were listing off all of the many many exciting things mm-hmm. that are coming down the pipe in 1995 I did not remember that, yeah, this is the year that things like the new zone and sometimes even the review zone oh. are not always with us anymore. This Ooh. is the beginning of the slow phase out of those features. That distresses me, Chris. Uh, Time Ooh. ticks away, doesn't it, Dave? Those, those are key bits of our podcast, what we're going to do. I think we'll be all right somehow. <laughs> We'll have to take a moment to remember something that happened in that year. <laughs> take a moment to just remember what happened in the year of 1995. I fell over and hurt my knee once. Ah, oh, 1995. And then we'll have bling, uh, bling, bling music, you know? <laughs> I think 1995 was the year I found that pound coin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait! Yeah, it might have been mine! <gasps> it actually could have been. <laughs> oh. I don't like to age any of us, but I will say the only issues of this comic that I really remember were post-review zone when they were doing the pinups and everyone. Mm. And so to me, the pinups are like, that's what I associate with Uh, the comic. Right. I'm sure there are many people that are the same. They're pretty cool. What we have this issue is a rather nice Shinobi pinup by regular Shinobi artist John Howard of Joe Musashi. Doing a big old sword chop. Yeah. On a sort of burning... Just doing a sword chop. That's it. Burning sort of war fan, rising sun background. Oh, but it does take the time to advertise to us in the bottom corner. The Power mm. of the Elements new Shinobi story starts in STC 47. Well, I never... Yes. You see, that's funny. I am sort of at a point mentally on this show, knowing all the super exciting Sonic stories that mm. are coming. It's all just a sort of a snowball from here. You know, one thing into the next for this whole year, basically. Yeah. And mentally, yeah, I'm just sort of past a lot of the the Sega Superstar stuff. Yeah. Not past it, like, in the sense that I don't care anymore. Mm. But I imagine it more as a thing of the past. But really, 
We got Shinobi coming. We just finished Streets of Rage. We haven't quite finished it yet. We're going to finish Streets of Rage this year. We got Shinobi coming back, and we'll be seeing Echo and Kid Chameleon again before the year's over, too. Wow. Well, at least one of those two before the year's over. Wow. And I'm like, oh, sh yeah. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing those again, because they're great. Echo's wonderful. Yeah. He, he's no pirate STC. Well. You know, one of the most <laughs> coherent, enjoyable. We certainly had a time. <laughs> My brother drank shampoo at the urging of that comic, and now he's dead. He's the reason they had that apology in the next issue. But you know what? He died with beautiful hair. Coming out of his... Coming his out of his growing chest. chest hairs were fully washed. <laughs> but yeah, nice pinup. And I'm looking forward to more Shinobi. Yeah. But then if, if we go over the page, we find something else that will become more common that we haven't seen oh, before either. The graphics zone. <laughs> A two-page graphic zone. Yeah. We haven't had one of those before. And, gosh, I think possibly, like, from literally this point on, mm. the graphic zone might be a permanent fixture now. Wow. Quite possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't swear to it, but we'll see as we go. Uh, I think it's quite possible. And, yeah, this is a Valentine's themes one. Uh, feeling romantic boomers. My circuits have been sparking with excitement recently thanks to the following humes who put themselves into Valentine's mode. And, um, I mean, we've seen all the... Mm -hmm. the what would you the symptoms of the illness uh, <laughs> on this page before we've seen all that it's all um girlfriends for characters yeah. and uh and sonic and amy getting smoochy yeah yeah i think it would be very funny if someone had drawn amy with a boyfriend yeah yeah how do you make a male version of amy well <laughs> she's pink so he's a boy so you make a blue amy wait a minute <laughs> oh no there's a question so as we'll see later in this uh, soccer comic when you want to draw a babe version of like anything <laughs> yeah. a soccer yeah. ball you give it eyelashes and lipstick mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like if you have a lady character who doesn't already have those two symptoms of womanhood uh, di <laughs> diagnostic criteria of womanhood uh, how would you draw like the man version of that? Would it be like a goatee beard? Yeah. Or or just like a like a French mustache, maybe one of those. Put a tie pencils. on him. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, we've got um, Sharon Matthews from Salisbury has sent in a new girlfriend for Tails, Trixie the Vixen. Yeah. Who is a yellow tails, uh, just the one tail, with a dress and a bow. Yeah, of course. And a little blue Megadroid in the corner of the picture, going. <laughs> She's yellow. <laughs> I guess I don't. I don't know what that's about. No, I don't really either. But I she mean, is yellow. He's a hundred percent correct. She is yellow. But this is sort of at a point in time where the unusual colors of Sonic characters were a key element of yes. them. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. it sort of doesn't matter what color anybody is. Oh, right. Yes. Back when we only yes. had three or four official characters. Sonic was blue and that was weird yeah. and Tails was orange and that was normal and Knuckles was pink and so was Amy. <laughs> But yeah, I guess that's why it's she's yellow. It's like that's her thing. A yellow fox. I mean, I suppose even even now today, Sonic OCs figuring out what color to make oh, sure. you the hedgehog is still a big I'm sure. part of it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it makes sense to me that this would draw attention to the color, even though Tails is not. I mean, Tails is a normal fox color. He's the color he should be, you know. Because, you see, we've got two other examples of Tails getting a girlfriend yeah. on this very double-page spread. Joe Roberts from Ashbourne has sent in no name attached to this one. It's just girl Tails, mm. dress, eyelashes, and bow. Yeah, same color. <laughs> oh, pink nose. Oh, it is, you're right. Yeah. Her lips look so thin and empty, like a man's. <laughs> <laughs> what is she holding? Is that like a, a two-liter pom-pom or flowers? I think it's a or... bouquet of flowers. It's a yeah, bunch but, of but flowers. Face on. 
It's a nice dress. I like that dress. The pocket is handy. Yep. You can keep your phone there. I can keep my insulin pump there. Then on the facing page, Sophie King from Chard has sent in yet another girlfriend for Tails, but this one is yellow again. Yeah. And she's got eyelashes, eyelids, bow, yeah. lipstick on this lipstick. one, and a dress. Skipping down the road there, but it's a very dynamic drawing. It, it is rather, yes. Yeah, skipping hand in hand with Tails. Yes, what's Tails holding in his other hand, I wonder? Is it a heart? I don't know. It just looks like a red square. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe, maybe it's a ring box. Maybe mm. he's getting ready to propose. Oh, he's got a little... I've just noticed he's got a little lipstick on his cheek from her kissing him. Yeah, so he's maybe, got he's, a smooch mark, maybe he's going to yeah. wipe it off with something. Maybe. Then the, the Son Amy lovers are out in force. Mm. We've got Monique Tokarski from Saltburn, who's done a speedy wedding. Sonic <laughs> and Amy getting married. Full on Sonic in suit and tie. In his suit and tie. Amy in uh, wedding dress. But I like how her wedding dress is just a white wedding version of her regular outfit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Sonic is saying, I never thought I'd do this. I never thought I'd do this. (laughs) And there's little, there's a little uh, rabbit and a little walrus on what, what what have they got there? They're little bins of stuff. I don't know, maybe confetti. Oh, they've got bins of confetti in there. They're animal feces from cleaning up the animal (laughs) wedding ground. And they're getting married at Green Hill Church. Speedy wedding has a very fun implication. (laughs) Yeah. Like Like it's got to be now. We only had a few months to do this. (laughs) We're uh, against the clock, if you wouldn't mind, Vicar. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, hedgehogs just stayed within three months, so Sonic has to be speedy. There's a very, a much more chaste... Uh, yes. <laughs> down below of, of Amy and uh, Sonic just uh, staring lovingly into each other's mm-hmm. eyes by Paul Thomas of Whitby, mm-hmm. which is quite a nice one. But it's got Amy with the, I guess you'd say, the accurate spines. Yeah. The <laughs> game accurate spines as opposed to STC based. Her poor sweater. I like Astrid Castle's Son Amy picture. So I like the, the storm clouds coming off of Sonic. This is like the nicest drawing, I think, of all of them. Amy is kissing Sonic, and Sonic has clearly not provided any sort of consent for this. She's stepping on his foot. It's probably the most morally unconscionable Amy I've ever seen <laughs> depicted. Even the one in Sonic Heroes who tries to murder Sonic <laughs> to make him marry her, like, posthumously. And Sonic has little storm clouds coming off of him and lightning bolts and sweat. Actually, looking at it, are those clouds? No, they're not. Because those look like an M they're and a an Y. M I and think a this, y. Yeah, this picture oh. has been cropped off. Yeah, where you're right. the word Amy is written, but uh, it no, it's just says my, and it looks like little blobby clouds. But until just this second, I also thought <laughs> they were clouds that's, to go along with the bolts of lightning, as it were. Yeah. Yes, that's well observed. I I'll factor in your theory into my thesis, but. Um, <laughs> Frankly, I'll write it off as uh, the work of a crackpot. Fair enough. The academic community will laugh you out of the conference, the big Sonic fan art conference. (laughs) Can I just say, this is my favorite part of the comic, anthropologically. Like, this is great. (laughs) As far as Sonic fan art goes, I mean, not to digress into dangerous territories Mm, here, mm. but maybe it's just my STC upbringing. The whole idea of Son Amy and anybody believing in that as a thing is the most laughably alien notion to me <laughs> sonic doesn't have i i, I get you know, like i think maybe it is a genuine not even to joke whenever you grow up reading the archie comics and you're presented with a version of sonic's world where romance yeah. is not just something that happens but a huge component of the furry drama that went on in that comic <laughs> for a very long period of time mm. i guess i can understand how you wind up with a mindset where but 
Sonic the comic is a sexless world. <laughs> I don't know if there's a Brit alive who ships anybody in Sonic with anybody else. So to me, like this drawing that uh, that Astrid has done here is the truest depiction of the Sonic and Amy uh, romance going, like canonically, yeah. never mind in a fan fiction sense. Sonic isn't into it and Amy is. And the whole idea that there's even a community that believes anything otherwise <laughs> is truly like, I am Jane Goodall among the apes. I do not, I cannot imagine, I can't even imagine how anybody could do it or think or feel that. <laughs> I mean, even though I have just illustrated how I can, in fact, imagine how you wind up with a place in your life where that's believable. What if Monique Tokarski of Saltburn, Cleveland... Is that Cleveland? The depiction, the the speedy wedding. Maybe they're guests at someone else's wedding, and they're they're both single, and they're just like, hey, you know, we don't want to go stag. Let's yeah. let's <laughs> yeah, just go as just friends. As a, yeah, as yeah. friends. And Amy is like has like ostentatiously worn like a predominantly white dress just out of spite or something. <laughs> <laughs> We've got another one from Richard Foot of Hull of Amy and Knuckles. And holding hands and a big heart and Amy going, oh, Knuckles, I love you, which is, again, the <laughs> maddest thing I can imagine. Knuckles can't bring himself to look at her. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking out at the camera. Yeah, I can only assume that whoever put these two together did so because they were both pink and therefore obviously supposed to be together. Well, yeah, because as we know. Knuckles is pink, and here he is depicted as pink. That purplish Slightly pink. Slightly purplish, yes. color him as, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Sally Daly from Dublin has delivered an artist vision. Well, no, that's not fair. It's not an artist <laughs> vision. It's uh, She's copied one of the screenshots yes. from the Sonic the Poster Mag yeah. of Sonic going in for a kiss from prototype Princess yeah. Sally. Yeah. Maybe she felt that the skirt that she's wearing there was sort of not demure. Yes, I noticed, so she yeah. It. She's yeah, lengthened she's really the lengthened the dress, skirt, hasn't yeah. she? Yeah. But uh, we have saved the best yes. for last. Jody Holland has Jody. delivered the female Megadroid. Megandroid. Megandroid, Perfect. which is just is... wonderful oh wordplay yes. in and of itself. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> and she is every single one of the tropes that we have mentioned yep. already and more. Yep. She is pink. She has a bow. She's got lipstick. She's got a necklace with a heart on it. She's got a handbag. She's got painted nails. She's got high heels. There could, I don't think there is... I, I can't think of anything else that could nope. possibly be. She's also got like pink that's being offset by a different shade of pink, which is yeah. a classic. Oh, yeah. The thing that takes this over into genius for me is the fact that they did give her a sexy babe lipstick... Yeah. But in like a square shape. Yeah, around the yeah, around it the hideous cartridge slot of Megadroid's mouth. That I genuinely think that's funny. That's good. The bow is also robotic in a way. It's kind of a 3D object. This is well drawn. Yeah. She's got a clutch purse smaller than her hands. <laughs> I mean the name seals the deal for me. Megandroid. You know? That's Megandroid. That's with just two wonderful. arrows pointing to her, just so you know that that's her name. Yeah. And not just a word that she knows that it's yeah. not the other guy. Not just name. one arrow will do. There's an arrow on either side of yeah. the name pointing down to it. I've said it before, but I just love seeing the, the kids send in pictures of Megadroid. Mm. Yeah. And there's technically, if you count Megan, there's three Megadroids on this page alone. That's a strong mm. showing. There's one. Yes, because Megadroid ah. is, is dreaming of uh, there's a little thought bubble and it's got Megadroid in it. Yes. Then there's the weird little blue Megadroid going, she's yellow over in the Trixie the Vixen. So that, yeah. I just love having little nail polish painted onto little fat sausage fingers. That might be the element that almost pushes it into power. I know, yeah. Yeah, like she doesn't have the nails drawn, no nails, like outlined. Yeah. It's as if it's like a flat tube. Mm. 
Sonic's World. Enter the Cybernic Part 1. Written by Lou Stringer with art by Roberto Corona. Colors by John M. Burns and letters by Steve Potter. When one of Robotnik's troop carriers descends on the Emerald Hill Zone and begins taking prisoners, short-tempered squirrel Shorty evades capture and stows away on the ship as it returns to the Badnik processing plant, hoping to rescue his friends. Shorty tries to sabotage the Badnik programming console, but he's caught and chosen by Robotnik for a special experiment. He is to become the first Cybernik a new breed of super badnik from which he can never be freed. Ooh. And this is the one, this is why Abby's come back for this specific yep. issue, because on her first episode... This is my favourite character. She said, put me down for the short views episode. And actually, it turns out that's kind of an ambiguous thing, because there's more than one sort of first episode for Yes, this it's guy. more of a serial, mm. isn't it? Because any new readers won't actually know who or what short no. fuse is. And if we tell you, it's a spoiler. Yes. <laughs> but we do have a great scene that we open on here where oh. um, there's a, an Emerald Hill person here who's insisting Dr. Robotnik is okay. It makes the trains run on time. You know? yeah, exactly. And then a centrist rabbit prevents Shorty from punching this Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I did not remember that Shorty, the short fuse, the Cybernic Shorty, is an Antifa squirrel version of yeah. Popeye. Confirmed, Confirmed Antifa. Antifa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I didn't remember this, that he sp his first appearance is him, like, roughing around the zone, just punching anyone who shows support for Robotnik. Which is itself a very funny idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I love this bit then, whenever the troop carrier lands and they've come to take yeah. prisoners, this this bird, whose name we never even learn, comes up and is like, but, but I like Dr. Robotnik. Then you will make an excellent badnik. Yeah. Goes <laughs> straight like, in. That's... Great material. Love it's that. It's great, isn't it? My girlfriend really enjoys any time they do the loop-de-loops yeah. uh, from other angles. Yes, and they've got it right here. Nice sometimes yes, sometimes they correctly. cheat it by just doing a big square with a hole in the middle, and that's not what they've done here. They've done a proper loop-de-loop, -loop, so well done, Bob. I really like that the, the troop carrier has like a little orange window, a wide orange window on the front of it, so that it looks kind of like a mustache. I think that's a very <laughs> inspired design exactly, choice. Yeah. And you've got a little monogram Dr. Robotnik head underneath that, yeah. too. The machines in this are really well done. It's They're good. Like the, the shock trooper, whatever those guys are called. Like he's, you see all these little rivets and I like them. Yeah. As a, as like a machine drawing, but they, the, the face of them isn't quite uh, right to me. Not quite menacing enough, a little too much That's like fair. a human That's skull, fair. not quite exaggerated enough in the way we're used to. What do you think, Dave? Uh, well, I agree with that, but it's nowhere near the biggest example of that that happens in this particular strip. And that'll be Grimer. Yeah. A pages oh hence. my gosh. Grimer just looks like a, a person. Yeah. It's nasty. I can't tell if Grimer or Eggman in this looks scarier because this is the scariest I can imagine Eggman looking sorry dr ivo robotnik thank you Flip. i'll let it go i'll let it go i won't <laughs> <laughs> we have had uh, some issues with corona drawing robotnik before you remember that time nutsan bolt was talking to him on a on a view yes. screen in the zone runner story well he's definitely got much oh yeah uh, much better oh yeah that, that drawing was a disaster whereas all of these are actually quite good yes it's got all the right uh, elements the nose is correct this time and everything yeah well it, it's strange because uh milton knight mm. uh you know famously said for the the adventures of sonic the hedgehog he has to be the sexiest character in the cartoon yeah like he's he's just he doesn't look attractive 
but he he's just so expressive. Whereas like in this, it looks like a man's face has been frozen in the most terrifying <laughs> expression possible. His eyes don't even like focus on anything at once. Like they're usually pointing in different directions. Oh, you know, I hadn't really noticed it, but you are right. Yeah, yeah he does draw the eyes just a little bit too far apart, doesn't he? He does. So that they do look unfocused. It's more like they're looking at the viewer than at yeah, anything. Always looking out past yeah. the page. And more, I would say, than any other artist on this comic makes Robotnik's eyes look as if they actually definitely are holes. Yeah, I was just thinking that. You know what I mean? You can... <laughs> Those red pupils are just hanging in the dark emptiness yeah. there. I think it's something to do with the fact that he gives him, sometimes, if you get a close-up, he gives him a kind of like an extra little ridge inside the eye. Mm, in the inside, And that's yeah. like the bit, the actual bit where if you like pull your eyelid down, you can see the little bit that sticks on, you know what I mean? That's like the last bit of skin mm, before mm. your eye. Robotnik's got that, but it's just before nothing. Mm. This whole comic, like with the umbilicals, with the death egg, like the metal in this all, all looks great. Everyone in this issue is firing on all cylinders. Oh, I absolutely love the Badnik processing plant on page three. It's just like, it's a series mm. of eggs. And some of, yeah, some know, of the right? eggs are like turrets. And some of them are buildings. And some of them are little balcony rooms. And yeah, oh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. But even the windows in there yeah. are shaped like an egg, yeah. too. I like how the little turrets just look like like an egg that's holding a gun. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Grimer in this, there's one panel where he's drawn like uh, like the people from uh, American Gothic. Yeah, he just looks exactly. Doesn't he? Or just standing there very serene and looking down, yeah. And then he opens his mouth and he's got sort of like a, like a cat, sort uh-huh. of like a cleft lip thing going on. But he just looks like that picture of Pikachu looking unimpressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Shorty just bursts out of a vent and grabs the control console or hand unit out of his hand and smashes it up against the console and everything. Yeah, while Grimer throws up a hile in the background. This is a very... <laughs> this whole strip is... More of a dab than a hile. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lou writing about Antifa. That's what this strip is. <laughs> it will make it easier for me to convince people that uh, Short Fuse is great. <laughs> yes. This damage that Shorty does fails to stop the process. And I always remember this line that Robotnik comes out with once uh, the rabbit and the bird have been converted into a burrow bot and a moto bug drawn hey, correctly. Yes. Hey. <laughs> he says, Your merry muckers are now badniks. Me old muckers. muckers. been talking to um, Mickey the monkey. Mickey the monkey from the in Robotnik's lab. That's right. Yeah, now, see, because I had never heard that word outside of uh, local context. It was a, it was a very common dowry word. It? And I didn't actually realize it was a word you Brits knew and probably stole yeah, off us. probably. So that was my first exposure uh, to anybody non-Irish ever saying mucker. So it was so weird to me that it has always stuck and with me. The local version, does it have that same meaning that the Cockney version does? Yeah, yeah. it just means it's your pal, yeah. Well, there was actually an imperialist plan to sort of adopt slang from countries that we'd colonized in order to, like, remove its its cultural significance, sort of to make all cultures one yeah. and therefore take over the world in a in sort of a quiet way. Sort of in the same sense that, like, your mom saying your slang, like, it's not cool anymore. Mm. That, that's all made up. I just think it would be funny. Damn it, again! I never know when it's to like, believe you. I never you. know! I, I swear to God. You come I, I, out I, with if, interesting facts. <laughs> if you've just made that up. It's very believable. I'm going to use it for a story that no one will publish. It'll be great. This podcast is not your comedy workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we end this issue with Shorty being forced into this new cybernic yeah. badnik, which is, by 
what tremendous coincidence, a big squirrel. <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah. It doesn't form itself around him. He's just already got a big squirrel one made. No, it's just, I mean, perhaps that's why Robotnik decided he'd be mm, a Yeah, he was looking for, for a squirrel. Because he was also yeah. a squirrel. Now, I'd never considered anything about this before I saw this, but uh, what sticks out to me is that he's got this, this complex tail assemblage. Yeah. But it doesn't look like there's like an easy way to get to it. Like there's sort of machinery in the way because you can sort of see yeah. it sitting open for Shorty to be sat in it like a chair. Mm. Sort of like a giant metal diaper or like the wrong trousers yeah. from Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so my theory is that the reason he's been grumpy and why he wants to get out of the suit is that he was put in and his tail has just been like pressed up oh, against his no. back this whole time. <laughs> like there's a whole separate oh. metal tail that he just can't thread it into and it's very oh. annoying. And I think that would be very funny. Oh, that would be so annoying. Oh, and one thing that's striking me here, because mm-hmm. I just can't talk enough about how much I love Short Fuse, is like he's got, and I don't know what Roberto Corona would have seen like at this time in the UK. I don't even know like when Gundam stuff hit mm-hmm. uh, anywhere in the world. Like, I know it had, there were magazines of Mecha stuff in 92, mm. so it has to have existed. But he's got this big V on his forehead, a yes. red V, as, as opposed to the Gundam yellow yeah, yeah, yeah. V. But then he's also got like these black sort of strips with little red eyes, kind of like robotic, really. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't noticed this. My girlfriend pointed out that they look like the Zaku Mono Eye from the the Grunt Mecha from Gundam, mm-hmm. the very iconic uh, Grunt Mecha. And he's even got he's got like pipes going around the side of his head, sort of for like the squirrel cheeks. Oh, it's a bloody but they're also because they have like a rebreather thing. The Zakus do right, oh, yeah, like right under the eye, that. and it's could but be some yeah, yeah, real influence in that. It's amazing, <laughs> and and I love this because later on they sort of stop focusing on his like he's got like a like a little squirrely yeah, like buck, buck teeth yeah. they stopped drawing those as much later on but i really like mm. that as a detail it is a, a tremendous yeah. design i mean we i guess we should say like yeah spoilers guys uh readers who are not up on this yeah shorty's not getting out of this no on, never obviously we're only on part one of what i think is a three-part story we don't have the full story here yet but we are now being introduced to well, well one of the top two top three most significant original characters mm. in all of Sonic the Comic. Mm. And he leads to Techno, the other arguably great one. Yes. So, yeah. But uh, you will see exactly what's going on with Shorty and uh, how he becomes Short Fuse and uh, all of that in the next issue, The Forever Trap, which is Ooh. a great tag. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't want to spoil too much about Short Fuse because they keep acting like, you know, this is a complex story. So I- I'm willing to play along with this, <laughs> with this deranged fantasy you're having. Um, no, but you should say, now that you're here, you should say a bit about why you're so into Short Fuse. Yes, please do. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I love Short Fuse. The first issue of this comic I ever like read... At some point, I was visiting my mom and her family in the UK, and I don't remember which one I read first, actually. It might have been, like, I got back home, because, like, we never went to comic stores, which are the only places you'd really see them in the US, whereas UK, they're more like a, a news agent. Yeah, yeah. News agents exist in the UK, whereas they don't <laughs> so much in my hometown. Maybe in the cities they do. But, uh, like, like it was just the, the first issue I ever saw was, I think it was right after Shortfuse got a redesign, which he does. He gets, like, spikier, mm-hmm. uh, stripey things. And he was, it, you know, they're pushing this as, like, the cool thing, because it's the new, hot new design. And so I, I, I was just like, what the heck is this? And it was like, they just introduced Techno, who's also great. And, like, I love Shortfuse so much. He's so good. He's, like, fighting muck monsters shapeshifters this this was the other thing i wanted to say actually like looking at the death egg story at the beginning of this i think one of the reasons why they were sort of reluctant to bring in the death egg both in this and in the rt1 is because like 
it's a very video game sort of concept where it's just, oh, it's a place to have a fight. Mm. Like, it's not the story. Like, the video games, like, it's not, like, Sonic's looking for his dad who's dead or whatever. <laughs> Whereas in the comics, you introduce, like, Uncle Chuck who's turned yeah. into a robot and he's all this sort of drama that's just been created whole cloth for these things. And, like, Short Fuse, for example, wouldn't make any damn sense in a video game, like, because he's got this <laughs> whole story. I mean, yeah. He would work great in a video game, but, like... His backstory is is something that isn't you wouldn't see it. It just oh he fights robots. That's fine. That's why he's so great. But his story is something that's sort of new, sort of introducing this kind yeah. of drama of like he's trapped and he could at any time be like destroyed by machine magic, whatever techno battle mm. you want to use. And ah, he's, he's just great. He's he's happy. He's got a he's great unhappy. like one sentence hook behind him. He's the yes. badnik who went bad or the badnik who mm. went good. <laughs> you know, he's the renegade badnik. And it's like over in Archie, yeah, you had that. Like that was Uncle Chuck and that, that <laughs> oh no, it's an old man. <laughs> Whereas Short Fuse is a literal friggin' superhero who can fly and shoots lasers and looks yeah. badass <laughs> <laughs> Tell me which one of those two is better, like, you know? <laughs> Q Zone. It's a Q&A special on the Q Zone. Um, Chris Jones is asking for advice on the Lost Vikings. Dave Gibbon delivers a very long, boring, dry, point-by-point point walkthrough of how to get the blue key. Useful, though, if you are the person who wants to... If, if you're, you're Chris stuck Jones. on that point, yes, yeah. you couldn't accuse him of not providing detail. Yep. What else do we get? Alex Court. In Miracle World. <laughs> He wants advice on Xenon 2, and Rachel Johnson wants to know how to make Sonic 1 work with Sonic and yes. Knuckles. I imagine she was disappointed yes. <laughs> whenever David Gibbon informed her that the only way they work is that you get the Blue Sphere yeah. game. But truly the crown jewel <laughs> of this Q-Zone is uh, James Slowey from Aberdeen asks... I'm having problems getting past the first camp. I almost did it all in a Scottish accent there, but I, I can't can tell you. Yes, yeah, something myself about your demeanour. I went Aberdeen, you know, but I didn't want to go any further than that. Uh, I'm having problems getting past the first campaign on the Mega Drive version of Desert Strike. I received the password Buez to give me ten lives, but after entering it, nothing happened. Please help. And uh, Dave Gibbon replied, "In the sort of beautiful synergy, you truly cannot even make up." He replies. Read carefully, James, for I will say this only once. Found on the pit level, the reptile character is highly beneficial in the score department. And he rattles off a load of cheats for Mortal Kombat! <laughs> and it's that setup. If he hadn't done the big peacock bit at the start. Read carefully, because I will say this yes. only once. And then they've copy-pasted in the wrong block of text from somewhere else. That is... They could, oh. you can't teach that in schools. <laughs> comedy writing, that's beautiful. Oh, by the way, I did a little bit of research into this one. I can, uh, I can illuminate an extra layer of understanding on this, which is that that level code there, Booes. Yeah. The only hit for Booes online <laughs> is in an Amiga magazine. So I think we can see why it wasn't working for it didn't uh, work. James's Mega Drive copy of the Mystery game. Mystery solved. I'll be looking forward to seeing if they publish a retraction or a correction for this one in a few issues yes. time because it's one of the more note apart from printing the wrong letters that one time it's one of the more noticeable <laughs> copy we, flubs. We do seem to be now in the retraction printing era of SDC. <laughs> yes, we've had a couple and then one of them was misprinted. <laughs> 
I do wonder, just looking at the color pictures they're putting in and like descriptions of things you do in the games, was there ever someone who made a game and like had someone at their company like send out a letter to this magazine asking like, can you give me tips on this hot new game out? I love this game. I'm creating it for level three. For, like, Possibly. I, that would be brilliant. I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't see really why not, because it is a propaganda rag, essentially, at the end of the day, yeah. and who's going to know? Who's going to tell? They might as well <laughs> do that. So screenshots at this time would have been provided by the people who made the games, or, or how? Don't know. Sometimes, Don't and know. then other times they're just clearly photographs of TV screens. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Not in this case, though. These images of the Lost Vikings don't seem to have the curvature that you would expect from a photograph <laughs> of a TV screen. The screenshot of Sonic and Knuckles looks like there must have been a machine that took the screenshot sort of in the middle, but it didn't do a great job translating the image. Yes, I'm not sure. That screenshot was obviously delivered in a less good way than the Lost Vikings ones, which are pristine. And then you can see that Sonic 2 one above it there. For some reason, there's a Sonic 2 screenshot in this thing about Sonic 1 and Sonic and Knuckles. That's definitely a photograph of the TV screen. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Lovely bulge on that one. (laughs) On that Sonic. Marco! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please. Marco's Magic Football Part 5 Written by Lou Stringer, art by Gary Andrews, and letters by Steve Potter Marco dodges a barrage of fire from Colonel Brown's toy army and the shots wind up destroying the female football that has entranced Marco's own ball away from him With boy and ball reunited, Marco polishes off the toys (laughs) but is then confronted... (laughs) I don't know why this is making up I don't know, you're just getting giddy at late night I don't know, something about the boy and his balls and the polishing off Anyway, with boy and ball reunited, Marco polishes off the toys, but is then confronted by some well-armed welders. And when he tries to leg it, he runs into the colonel himself, now sporting a suit of power armor. I don't know. I don't know that I have a lot to say about Marco, Dave. Have you got anything? No, no, no. Not a this tremendous amount. This is penultimate chapter syndrome kind of happening here. We, we, we see this before in other strips where it's like everything's just kind of building to a head. There aren't really any uh, new ideas. I get a kind of flash back to last issue where Marco got an extra life at the end of part right. three and then used it up within two pages of part four. By yeah. getting shot. Yes. Yeah. And then in this issue, you know, the ball gets lured away by the girl ball at the end of part four and then the girl ball gets shot two pages later and that's over and done with as well. And it's like every every plot point that gets introduced is just quickly ticked off as it's just an exercise in doing something to fill six parts of a serial. I mean, I do like the honesty of how to bring the welders in, which is that they just come in. <laughs> yes, that's great. I love the welders. They're fantastic. They're they just show up. They yeah. just, Marco was looking for the sludge and there's a, hang about you, we're welders and we don't like nosy kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. That's the famous thing about welders, isn't it? They do not like <laughs> yeah, nosy kids. Yeah, they're well known for it. And then Marco says, the colonel's brainwashed you with green sludge. We've got to destroy it. Don't confuse us. We're well hard we are. <laughs> Not for being confused, us. And then they start shooting jets of flame out of them. They're arc welders. <laughs> and Marco says, I'm off. I'm allergic to flamethrowers. And that's just a good line. It's just funny. Honestly, one of the real bread and butter lines of British comics is, I'm off. And here it is deployed <laughs> in such an expert manner by an Let's expert. scarper ball. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-ta, suckers. I'm off-ski. <laughs> Now, here's a a question for Mr. Comic Art Man. 
Dave, mm. I wanted to comment on how the colonel, uh, his mustache is drawn with like a single pen stroke. And it yeah. just looks so thin and delicate, which is wonderful. Lovely, but then when he's on a, a black background, like it'll be exactly. a black pen stroke over him. And then it turns into like a white pen stroke, which is very artfully done. Against the background. Yeah, it's a white white gel pen or something, isn't That's it? It's so great. subtle, I didn't even notice it. That is great, actually. Why does the colonel's magic spacesuit have such a prominent... Do you know that, that comic of the Virgin and the Chad? <laughs> yeah. You know how the Chad comic has like a perfectly spherical crotch bulge? Yeah. Because the colonel here is drawn with the same thing and I don't yes. know what that's yeah, meant to imply. Yeah, the colonel is, is packing a huge weapon and also that he gun is. in his hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's immediately yeah, noticeable, um, isn't it? cannot be denied. <laughs> also, I quite like his big fried egg knees. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird design. This is right out of the game, so that's why it looks uh-huh. like it does. But You mean bad? Yeah. <laughs> like this strip art wise does a lot with what the game gives it to work with yeah. mm. I looked at um, the game after looking at this comic and I was very disappointed Mm-hmm. Because the comic yeah. makes it look really good. You can see they both come from the same sort of origin point as far as like British cartoons and comics goes. But this mm. looks half decent and the game is, well, you run a 16-bit filter over the top of something like that. And it's <laughs> it's not going to come out looking great, is it, you know? One thing I like about the art in this is the way it does. You see this a lot in like animated stuff where like they'll show a brick wall and you just sort of draw... Mm. You know, a couple in ink, mm. but then they also just did it with uh, paint, with like yes. a square yeah, paintbrush. Yeah. But then they've also done it with the same white pencil we were looking at earlier. But then also, like, none of the three different ways of indicating bricks match with each other. <laughs> <laughs> they clash, but it's good. Sometimes they'll overlap, but not usually. There'll be, like, bigger bricks behind smaller bricks yeah. because they were done in a different technique. I think it looks yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fact. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot more for knowing that it was done by hand instead of something that was randomized on a computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you will see, incidentally, talking of paintbrushes, next issue, there's like a hero panel of short fuse with like all this watercolor effect behind him. You reading ahead? I did. I. It's a really good... <laughs> I just love watercolor personally and seeing it in like robot comics always gets me excited because it, it does a good way to sort of do that like chrome brushed chrome mm. shine. Yeah. Not an awful lot to say about this chapter. I guess we'll just see how it all wraps up next time. But uh, mm. I don't know if there's much excitement left in Marco, but we'll see. You never know. They might pull something out in the end. What if Marco dies? Again. Again. That would yes. be. Yeah, again. <laughs> the whole strip ends up. That sniper is still out there and he just takes him out at the last minute. Oh, no, the very no, last no, no. He booted him with a football, didn't he? Vaporized him dead. Oh, yeah. That's true. Life for life. Speed lines. The whole Speed Lines page is Valentine's themed as well. Yeah. We've got... Uh, oh, oh, I've just realised. Oh, what? the letter is from the same person who drew the picture. Richard, Richard Foote Foot has sent in a letter. Hey. He says, I think Amy and Knuckles would make a great couple because they're both pink and lively. I was right. Yeah. Richard Foote drew the picture of Amy and Knuckles together. And like I said earlier in the episode, he did it because they're both pink. Amy should see sense and get Sonic out of her life and persuade Knuckles to become a freedom fighter. I will say the the first half of that sentence is written clearly by someone under 10. They should be a great couple because they're both pink. But then, and lively and is lively, the words of yeah. someone, like, over 70. Like, he's, he's a very lively chap. Very lively, isn't it? Oh, I, can't, 
Very I can't much. watch that game. It's too lively. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. I think the Tomy games are absolutely excellent is also why I don't think any human wrote this. <laughs> Just really trying to angle to get one. I'm terrified by Megadroid's response. I hope you'll be very happy, Ricky, when you grow up to be a marriage guidance counselor. The only advice <laughs> he's given is they should be together because they're the same color. This is a terrifying. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Ooh. Carla Rogerson of Worsley, Manchester, writes under the banner of Knuckle Crush, Dear STC, I have fallen truly, madly, deeply in love with uh. Knuckles. I have posters of him all over my bedroom wall. I think of him more than anyone else in the world. And that's that's her point. She's made the point there. Yeah. And uh, Megadroid replies, <laughs> bafflingly, I see, and I bet your granny had a crush on Engelbert Humperdinck. And then in brackets afterwards, it says, ancient, air quotes, singer. Oh, some topical jokes there. Little zinger in for Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, ooh, I, ooh, pop I don't culture know how recovered there. Although, from that one. I don't know. Yeah. They can't all be winners. Although that is a joke watch. We, we need a watch for this. This is the thing of saying a famous thing and then saying yeah, it's bad. And then it's crap. Yeah. <laughs> Standard joke of the day. So there we go. Also, Knuckle Crush does sound like what she'd like Knuckles to do to her. Moving on. <laughs> I like the drawing of a, a they describe it as a, a grandma Knuckles, an echidna gram. No, but it looks uh, more like a like a young frilly. That is lovely that you interpreted it that way. I did that that yes. <laughs> what we have here is a drawing by Bryony Holden of Girl Knuckles. Yeah. Um, she's purple because yeah. Knuckles is already no pink. lipstick. <laughs> yeah, no lipstick. No at lipstick. All. Nice mm, mean grumpy uh, face. Uh, could be good. could be a man. No lipstick. Sorry, sorry. I'm looking on my on my actual print copy here, and I see lipstick. It's a very faint <gasps> bit of red pencil just between the two. Mm. You know, she's drawn that little. By the way, good drawing. That's very tasteful. This this person's probably pretty good at doing their own makeup. <laughs> like to to know like. Less is more. There's definitely the outline of feminine lips there, mm. but I mean, I wouldn't even say for definite that there is red there. That it could just be like the the black ink of the of the line that's been drawn the... for the lips blending in with the flesh tone. That's possible. That's possible. I'm seeing red. I'm seeing red. I'm so livid mm. about it. But <laughs> but what I will say is that although yes, that's a sort of feminine lip shape. I'm pretty convinced that this is someone who's good enough at drawing that the top line is to be seen as a, 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 a the whole mouth. And the bottom yeah, line is yeah. just a little lump of lip under it. So it's quite an advanced mouth shape. It's a good drawing. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like seeing Knuckles with like a sexy pout. Well, you should. <laughs> but, <laughs> Get with the program. But also eyelashes yeah, and bows and a dress. Good bows. So well worry. drawn too. Good bows. Twin. Um, and then well the idea is that the echidna dreadlocks are here uh, tied up as if they were ponytails. Yeah. That's which is, adorable. Which is clever. That's funny. Bryony Holden, I am sure, is like a very fashionable person now. Because, oh, like, like, the less is more sort of lipstick, and, like, the outfit is all very well matched and put together. Like, the shoes match the dress. <laughs> like, this is as fine. This is as normal as one of these characters could it's look. It's good. Um, but but, the, but. The, caption, the caption reads, an echidnogram, perhaps? And I don't understand why that's where they've gone well i love that you interpreted it abby as a as, a, as gram as in grandma but but we don't we don't oh, apply that like, word a, like here. a singing telegram yeah. sort of thing or a kissogram huh kissogram or stripogram <laughs> or deliver the thingogram um yeah the it, it's one of those comments where they've focused really hard on it's a character you wouldn't expect in women's clothes and 
Yeah. Really gone in a direction with it. <laughs> they made a choice here. Yeah. Much as Stephanie Court from Staffordshire made a, a choice when she drew Sonic yeah. holding a... Uh, well, this this picture of Sonic holding a bouquet of flowers, this is copied from a piece of... Uh, I'm not sure what... The, uh, uh, it's a piece of Japanese promotional art or stock art or something. It's it's why it's such a nice piece. She's copied it very well. Mm. And as I said, she, there's, she's got artistic skills, does Stephanie. Yeah. But we do point out whenever we see images copied uh, from places and this is this is one we do thing. and we then report the child to the authorities and to the authorities we make sure <laughs> that they are pushed into a pit <laughs> stephanie court has like four children is just happily married <laughs> and she wakes up one morning and her google alert goes off bundled into a van and she's like oh no my whole life is she has to go into hiding oh poor stephanie court she's captioned it sonic the romantic and i do like that it's a, there's the soul of a designer at work there she's written a yeah. uh, romantic Romantic and lovely bubbly letters, yeah. and uh, the holes in the R and the O and the A are all hearts, yes. and the M curves around like a heart. A heart yeah, that, that's that's very good. I like that. It is. Oh, and the the I is dotted with a heart. <laughs> Aww. What intrigues me, I'd never noticed before their note, like, don't send in colored pencil or uh, crayon drawings, like mm. only markers. Markers being, like, unless you're using very fancy art markers, yeah. like, most hideous way to yeah. do, like, a fill color. Yeah. So th- these kids are kind of facing an uphill battle no matter what. I feel kind of bad for the fact that I think they're all idiots who suck and should quit drawing. <laughs> well, they don't listen because, you know, Bryony has clearly yeah. used pencils here or... yeah. If they listened, this comic would not get enough pictures to be printed. (laughs) I mean, they obviously pick the ones that they can use, despite they're not following the limitations, but I bet there were many more images that they just couldn't use because Mm -hmm. of the the materials they were made with. It would be an honor to read the last letter. (laughs) It is entitled, Furry Tales. Ah, that's a letter about Archie Sonic. (laughs) Eee... Dear STC, I have heard a rumor that Tails is finally going to have a girlfriend. Finally! How old are you imagining this uh, this writer is, Abby? 96. <laughs> I hear. And that she's called Fur. I would like to know if this is true or total codswallop. Oh, fair play, actually, yeah. Christopher Henry, <laughs> Chesterless Street, County Durham. Mega Drive owner, Sonic Water Fun Game winner. Nice County Durham recognition skills. <laughs> I can read. <laughs> it just, but it just says co, so you might not I have known. I was glad I didn't have to guess if it was Staffs or if that was an abbreviation of Staffordshire, because I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think it was. I just leave it out when I'm not sure. Pretty sure it is. <laughs> well, Mega Droid doesn't actually answer his question, <laughs> but he replies, I don't really understand what he says. I know. Yeah. You know what they say about the quiet ones, Chris? I believe his implication is that Tails, being a quiet one, is secretly a massive pussy hound. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I actually think you're right. Yes, I think think you're right. I think that is exactly the meaning. Um, (laughs) To beat that. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of Speedlines and the end of another issue. Next issue, free Sonic Spinball Sweets. What? So they do seem to have been something Sonic branded, oh, and yet neither of us can remember them. Flipping sorry. Ridiculous. I have no memory of that. Outrageous. And that's exactly the sort of thing I would remember. Exactly. What? Maybe they're still stuck to the cover what of your issue. They just gave you like a little brass pinball. <laughs> 
and we're like, this is a sweet <laughs> suck on. It's a jawbreaker. Yeah. It lasts ages. It's not attached to the cover. The news agent pulls back a spring thing and goes, toing, fires <laughs> it into the back of the throat. <laughs> It'll ruin your teeth. Well, Dave, remember, your pastels issue had the pastel wrapper still stuck yes. to the cover. You removed the sweets That's so right. carefully. So there is every chance we might have an answer <laughs> to this mystery. It Wait, might. so you held the comic up to your mouth and like unwrapped it with your, your mouth? Uh, and very possibly yes that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> and also a health hazard i recommend you try well, it we'll have to wait till next time to find out if we'll see just uh, sell a tape a pack of pastels or something try it the big con robotnik invites you to attend mm. and that's accompanied with an image from the strip uh, uh from next issue it's another bob corona drawing of a big building shape mm. like robotnik's head it's hysterically funny <laughs> putting a mustache on an inanimate object yeah, as we putting said a mustache earlier. on anything it's funnier that's yeah I actually have drawn a little mustache on my computer screen over both of your Skype windows <laughs> even though you both have, have mustaches. mustaches right now yeah. yeah plus Streets of Rage have they bet their lives Sonic's world enter the cybernic once again at least buy him dinner first. <laughs> Marco's Magic Football. Extra time with the Sludge Monsters. The Q-Zone Rip Roaring Lion King Roaring. Special. And a Supersonic Pinup. A subtle way there, I think, of telling us there may not be a new zone next oh. issue either. I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's STC so 46 still going great guns on sale <laughs> Saturday the 18th of February 1995. £1.15. Hey. And there we go. That is all but is marvelous. a whole issue of Sonic the Comic done. We do have an advert still. Oh, is there an ad on the still back? Still to mention. Yeah, I sent it to you. I know. I was queuing it up for the podcast. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, I beg your pardon. This is theatre. I'm very sorry, Quest. Okay, so. Yes, this is, um, well, what it is, I'm going to describe it in pieces. It's a photograph of a young girl dressed in cool 90s stuff, including a backwards baseball hat. Standing mm. on a pier next to mm. a seal. The seal is also dressed up in cool 90s stuff, including shades mm. and, yes, a forwards baseball cap, but it's bright colours. Floral print shirt. Real, real seal. This is a photograph. And it's yeah. sticking out its tongue. And above its head, it says, based on a true story. <laughs> I remember that movie. It was a masterpiece. Yes. It was in the canon of Dunstan Checks In. Yes. Yes. Very. This is, we are right in that era. This movie was called Andre. Yeah. Out of the sea. Yes. Into your heart. Fun for all oh. the family, it says there. In a I love that little starburst, little starburst that says, yeah. fun for all the family. <laughs> <laughs> That's at cinemas everywhere from Friday, February the 17th. And that is the only thing that could make me less interested in seeing that film is if it was a monkey rather than a seal i've uh, I, I still <laughs> have not a fan of the creature cavorting of the 90s i still haven't recovered from the just the depths of uninterestedness that i experienced when i saw the trailer for dunstan checks in oh i thought you were going to say the new tom and jerry film ah well that's that's Aww. another that's another story because that movie does look like it has fully stepped oh, out boy. of this era <laughs> they go they, they're in a hotel and a fussy manager is trying to stop all their antics <laughs> like what in god anyway no, that's a whole other show <laughs> well if you want listener to check in with issue number 46 then you can rejoin <laughs> us in two weeks time for exactly that but for now we say goodbye and boot out the window our guest abby denton who is now waving goodbye <laughs>
So when you're looking for episode number 46, you'll find it everywhere that good podcasts are available. You can also download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast. Or you can follow us individually. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeeling. <laughs> Sorry, I, I went out the window and I forgot we had to do the sign-offs. I'm at... Abby Denton, you, you search on Twitter. Someone else tweeted as Abby Denton in 2012, never again. So that, that's not in use. I'm at Ms. Abatha at the moment. I keep meaning to change it. Maybe I'll change it tomorrow. Maybe I'll change it next year. I don't know. Just look up Abby Denton. I'm around. AbbyDenton.Podbean.com. I have an audio sitcom that's I'm proud of. It's good. I love you. What's it called? What's the sitcom called? Cyber Cafe. It's like Shadowrun as a sitcom. <laughs> it's in the future. The main character is a brain in a jar, and he he's not happy about his predicament. And I'm really proud of it. I liked it when I heard it. I need to edit the last two episodes. It's been a year and a half. I've been very sad, okay? Oh, I have an excuse. Yeah. No one no one <laughs> expects anything out of anyone this year. So even if you're not anyone who's even not sad still has an excuse to simply have not achieved anything. <laughs> you can support the podcast. It needs supporting. It costs money this, and you can do that at patreon.com forward slash STCTP. But for your troubles, we'll actually give you stuff. We give you stuff every couple of weeks, in fact. Videos! Episodes! Not episodes like issues, we'll, we'll never do that behind a paywall, but you'll get secret things. Our editor is Sam Gabriel, and you can find his stuff at samgabrielvo.com. Sam's very nice. Aww! Our opening theme was Synchronize by Sonic the Comic the Band. You can find more from them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we will see you next, next time! Sonic's World. Enter the Cybernic Part 1. Written by Lou Stringer, with art by... My favourite artist. Written by Lou Stringer, art by... My second favourite artist. <laughs>